Welcome to the Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Hani Rambod, and I am here with a special guest. And I always say special guest, but this one's a very special guest because this is someone that, <laughs> man, you guys be cracking up all the time. I got seven-time Mr. Olympia, the gift Phil Heath in the house. Yes, sir. I'm here. Finally. With you. That's right. The procreatorial, the man who creates champions on champions on champions. <laughs> You're dumb. <laughs> hey, why not? But I love you. Exactly. Oh, God. God. You know, everyone's asking, when are you going to have Phil on? When are you going to have Phil on? And we've been talking about it for a while, but we've always wanted to do it in person, number one, so yes. that we can do, you know, it'll always be a better quality podcast versus using uh, Zoom or Skype or something along those right. lines. And uh, number two, we have so much to talk about. There's so many things we can talk about. Um, I think starting off for those people that don't know or how far back we go, we go back all the way till North Americans, which is August of 2005. Yeah. Most of, some of you that are listening to this weren't even born yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were drinking their protein shakes out of a sippy cup. <laughs> I mean, out of the mom's booby. <laughs> oh, colostrum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, colostrum. So, yeah. yeah, man. North Americans. IFBB, IFBB North Americans. Yep. And uh, yeah, I just happened to be there. After actually, you just had just won the USA. That's right. And handedly. And then we were. I was there for Omar Deckard. Yep. Who should have won, but. He didn't, mm -hmm. but he ended up winning the following year. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I was there uh, being a friend to Marcus Haley, who didn't get his pro card. Because of you. Well, I would say it was because of Factory Movement. No, why are you saying that? Because, he got, the second pro, because he got the second pro card. So I met Marcus at the North Americans. I mean, no, at the Junior Nationals in 2005. He was working with Metrex Worldwide, and... We were just like, hey, you know, like if I were to go to USA's, let's root each other on. Like we would text each other and stuff like that and uh, go on the message boards. He would share pictures. I'm like, yeah, man, we'll root each other on. We'll go after the Miss USA title. And then I happened to win the overall. And then the second pro card went to the light heavyweight, which was Factory Mubrak. And then after that, it sucked because, you know, he was very upset, obviously. You know, he wanted to get his pro card. But um, there's an actual picture in Flex Magazine of me and him, like I'm like consoling him with my trophy in my hand, got my hand on his shoulder. Cause he was like in tears, man. Cause back then, you know, there was only two pro cards. That's right. It was very, very, we had my heavyweight class at the USA was 44 guys. And he probably had the same in the, in the super. So it was tough, man. And then uh, I told him, I said, I'll support you by going to the North Americans. And you know, he, he got his pro card, but then I, that's where I met you. Yeah. And uh, yeah, man, we, we just hit it off right away. You know, we were just like, I was obviously a, a fan of yours because of the work that you've done with numerous clients writing about them in muscular development magazine. You had mm -hmm. two guys, Bill Wilmore and also Charles Rayardi, uh, preparing them for the nationals, which was to come a couple of months later. So July is the USA's you get your pro card. Everybody sees you. You end up, that was what your third show or fourth? Fifth. Fifth show. Yeah. So let's give a little bit of a, <clears throat> a little history of Phil Heath. Your first show was what year? To April 4th, 2003. 
Okay. And that was in Colorado? Yeah, that was in Boulder, Colorado. Yep. And you, what was the show? It was the NPC Northern Colorado. That's where I met Jay Cutler the first time. Is that that where you took the picture? The t- he and I took that picture together. Okay. Yeah. yeah. If you guys ever see that picture <clears throat> of a very young Phil with Jay Cutler, that was 2003. And when you look at it, it really, you're like a baby. Well, I was, dude. I was 23 years old. 23 you years know, old. A year away from, you know, I would just got done playing Division One basketball a year, uh, 13 the, months The far prior. left one. Yeah, the, the top, far left. Yeah, that, no, 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 far left. Far left, that one right there. Yeah, that one, dude. That one right there. That, that's the that's one. A so, that's 190 pounds versus 290 right there. 190 <laughs> versus 290. And, yeah. fa- and then you fast forward literally only six years, right? And you guys are on stage together. Mm-hmm. Or actually five years. Five years, dude. Five years, because that was... Over. Five years, I'm getting third. At the Olympia. At the Olympia. Yep. It's pretty wild. It's pretty crazy. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> pretty wild, When dude. you really put it in yeah. context right now, it's right? Like, and we could have maybe done it sooner. You know, I qualified for the Olympia both in 2006 and 2007 and decided because of you saying like, look, man, you have the ability, obviously you won, you know, won a couple of pro shows and stuff, but like, it's time to let the muscle grow, get more time in the gym. You're going to get seasoned veterans. Why right. be out of the top 10 just to say that you went to the Olympia? And I'm like, I ain't down for no participation trophy BS. Like I want to be competitive. So right. we always maintained a, a really good coach pupil relationship. Um, well, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that you're so coachable because of your sports team sports background yeah because look again there's so much stuff we can talk about but let's start from the beginning because i feel that even though you came from you were the first instagram olympia champion right right meaning that you your your seven-year reign was in the beginning ages of the social media generation right right and and again that has a whole different can of worms to open up because so many different things happened with that because the generation iron movie that we'll talk about there's a lot of things that that we definitely need to touch on but as people constantly ask me what was different about phil versus everybody else i feel so many different people have different levels of coachability and the ones with the lowest level did not execute very well Mm -hmm. because they always thought that they knew better than their coach so therefore they were not coachable or they would listen to too many people. Yeah. But with you, what was really your you know, superpower was that you would get focused, you'd get information, and you would execute. And I feel that that's what was really, really special about you. Not only is your genetics, and you call the gift because you're genetically gifted, but you worked around the things that you weren't gifted on because you, you, know, you weren't the widest guy. Jay Cutler no. up there was super, super wide. And you had that more of that bubbly look, but that happened after you were able to create those fibers uh, to be able to give you a more of a 3D look when you were getting more muscle maturity. But when you started in sports, starting out, did you start out playing basketball when you were really young? Um, no, I was obviously interested in basketball. You know, you know I was born in 79, so grow up in, growing up in the 80s, it was all about sports. It was all about competitive sports. I didn't get on my first like recreational basketball team until I was, I want to say, in the fifth grade. So that's like 10, 11 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, but I remember at nine, 
my parents uh, put me in a basketball camp where I would actually go for like an entire week on a college campus. You stay there <laughs> and you learn the game morning, noon, and night. And I remember that being like so freaking cool. Like I would just stay up watching the games on TV, begging my parents to take me to games. And when I was, yeah, fifth grade, man, I, I um, played on a rec league team and I really enjoyed it, you know, um, just enjoyed being around other kids because I was raised as an only child and just having a really good childhood, just playing that those team sports got into track and field thereafter and was really good at that. Like I was very, very fast, I ran the 100, 200, four by one relay, long jump, did all that stuff. And I just always loved being an athlete. So but what made you so coachable? Was it, were you like that when you were young? Were, did you like to listen to the coach and say, hey, look, I'm going to go ahead and follow everything? This was back in the day where you could, let's be real, this was back in the day, honey, where child rearing was prevalent in most households, right? Like, right. not to say that I was growing up getting my butt whipped, but when you were told to sit down and shut up right. and pay attention to your parents, you were told that. It was not nice. And um, there was a reason for that because, you know, your parents are trying to get you to focus and to be quiet while they're doing things. Um, being a, raised as an only child, like you do something wrong, you, you can't put it off on your brother or sister. So I had to have very a lot of discipline, you know, living with my mom and my stepdad. So um, getting into with the coaches, oh, my gosh, like they were my first basketball coach was literally like you ever watch that movie, the Bad News Bears? Yeah. Baseball, the coach is like half drunk, movie. like drunk half the time. That was him. That was your old coach? That was like my first basketball coach. I mean, this guy would show up. And how old were you? Uh, what, 10, 11, 11 years old, smelling like, is coach drunk? Smelling like, like Miller Lite, like for real. And he would just yell at us. He would call us names. He would, I mean. Old school. Old school, bro. And then as I got older, um, I was always around good coaches, though. The guy wasn't a bad coach. It was just that, you know, that was a culture back then. Like, he would literally, I'm just going to cuss, man. Like, he would be like, man, you guys playing like some pussies, man. 11, 12-year-old kids. I'm laughing. I'm like, oh, crap. And then as a teenager, um, I was around a, a, another coach who had played professional football. His mm -hmm. name is Ron Howard. Um, you could pull him up. Pull up Ron Howard um, NF, uh, NFL football player and is that him that was my coach put the far left the top left that's a bad dude right there bro he's on a skyscraper right now that's what's the picture we're looking at and <laughs> the dude is like way above the city bro nfl players players back in the day had to have real jobs in the offseason because they didn't have the money that was my one of my first coach that was my track coach my basketball coach and jv in high school in high school uh-huh and he was my uh, gym teacher in middle school, so wow. you talk. And he won a he won a championship uh, with the Dallas Cowboys. Wow! So I was around like people that no BS. You think that guy had a no BS attitude? I mean, come on! 100%. Like, so I was told to do this, do this, do this. But then I was also taught to do this, and it will yield championships. It will yield greatness, right? And when you're 13 years old and you're looking at your gym teacher that has a Super Bowl ring. You're like, bro. And it got, I mean, it's got diamonds all over it. So then you realize, like, I got to listen. I got to buy into the system. And it just kept going, man. And I always, every time I listen, I was thinking, well, if I listen and I execute, I get rewarded. So it was like that good reward system back then. Mm -hmm. You do what you're told, you get gold stars. 
you do what you're told, you get an A. You know, you do what you're told, you execute, you get better, you get better, you get better. And I always gamified everything, and I just wanted to be better than everybody. <laughs> and because that's that competitiveness in you. Yeah, and I had, and I grew up in a neighborhood where my neighborhood had names such as Jamal Crawford, yeah, Nate Burleson. <clears throat> that's on CBS in the morning with Gail King that played 13 years in the NFL. That was my neighbor. Wow. Um, who was one of four boys whose older brother is now coaching, I believe, in the uh, NBA G League. Um, you know, you got a lot of different ball players that, you know, grew up in just this little area of South Seattle, Washington. Mm-hmm. So imagine, like, playing on the play field. I'm playing with those guys, Nate Robinson, slam dunk champion. You know, you got, you know, Jason Terry that played at Franklin High School. Uh, Brandon Roy, you got tons and tons and tons of guys, man. And then you got the guys that didn't make it because they weren't coachable. And I was able to see that early on, like as an eighth grader, looking at guys on varsity that were just great athletes, did something stupid, sold drugs, got into gangs, got in the fights. Some got shot, some killed. My first high school dance, one of my friend's brothers got shot in the face six times about 15 yards away from me. Wow. So I learned at a very early age, you got to do things right, like you can't screw around because you may lose your life. So you talk about coachability. I just wanted to like have fun in high school, play, be competitive, talk shit with my boys, um, and then try to get a scholarship, man, because I didn't want to stay in that environment. So was that your mom, though? Was that your <clears throat> mom trying to say, hey, look, you need to go out and get a scholarship. I need you to go to college. You need to be able to try to do that. They were more about just education. Um, I <laughs> It's not throwing my parents under the bus, but I don't think they ever thought in their wildest dream that their son would get a Division One scholarship for basketball. They knew that I was smart enough to get a scholarship of some sort, of some sorts for education. Mm-hmm. But I was filling out college applications as a junior in high school. You know, you take your PSAT, you take your a- ACT and SAT, mm-hmm. you take those scores, you send it in. I mean, as uh, you know, I was getting recruited by Pepperdine, Santa Clara, um, Cal Poly. Uh, couple of them but a lot of california was it all for basketball no academics pepperdine santa clara hoops um cal poly for sure but then i was gonna i was gonna run track over at usc and get a walk-on try to be a walk-on for hoop and i had to apply as a student because i was like well push come to shove man like at least you get your education but then you realize the price tag you're like i don't my parents ain't got seventeen thousand dollars a year just for me to get an education. That was back then, you know? Yeah. It's probably triple that now. Oh, it is. It's way more. So, you know, my parents really didn't think about, oh, this kid could get a scholarship. It's not, I don't, but, you know, me playing on the AAU circuit, you know, um, I played at that uh, national basketball tournament that you probably have seen in July during the Mr. USA competition. Mm -hmm. There's uh, the largest. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, You see all the basketball players. So I played in in that back in like, um, 97. It's always at UNLV, I think. Yep. So it's always at UNLV. It's at like all the other high schools, Cimarron, Grant, uh, all, all those different high schools. And we happened to play against like the defending champions, champions from Illinois. And that, uh, that team was called Illinois Fire, I believe. And they had like all these guys that played in, an, um, you know, they were like Adidas sponsored, Nike sponsored guys, you know, like it's called ABCD camp, stuff like that. Like these are like the top guys that would get like McDonald All-American yep. t- guys. Wind up having high score in that game. And I had a couple dunks and I was on the front page of the sports section. Yeah. And you got to remember, for those that are listening, Phil's only 5'9". Yeah. And I was so, probably 5'8", five, 5'7", five, back then. So 
I was able to dunk. I was able to do a lot of cool stuff. And that, uh, that going back to coachability, I had a coach by the name of Jason Basket, and his biggest thing was having the confidence. Mm-hmm. Him instilling confidence in you because you get a lot of coaches that just like just talking shit to you all the time, beating you know, you trying to all the time. beating you up, man. And this guy was like, I'm going to talk shit to you because you didn't pull up for three. And you're like, but it's two on one fast break. He goes, and can you shoot it? Can you shoot a wide open three? I'm like, yeah. How many times can you make it? So let's try. So he's like, if you can hit six out of 10 with no hand in your with a hand in your face in practice, pull it, do it in a game. I was like, now you gave me the green light. Yeah. So that enabled me to, you know, really start harnessing that that killer inside and just going for it, going for it, going for it. And, uh, you know, I was able to run with that. Obviously, I had that that moment that got me recruited and uh, shout out even to my high school coach, Mike Bathia. You know, he's coached a, a ton of different NBA guys. You know, we're talking about uh, Jamal Crawford, Nate Robinson, um, DeJounte Murray. That place for the Hawks right now, uh, Kevin Porter Jr. And then you got a plethora of other guys that went Division One, but all those kids had to be coachable. And for me, it was all about coachability and and really just when I you and I have talked about this many times. Why are you hiring a coach to kind of have dominion over your physique that has a track record of success and you don't want to listen? And, and your ego is so freaking big that you think that your best friend knows more than someone like an expert. And I remember hard, you and I working together and I did my mm-hmm. first Arnold Classic. Mm-hmm. I know we're jumping around here, but like yeah. I did my first Arnold Classic in what, 2007, place fifth. And this was against guys in their prime, like Jackson Jackson, Victor Martinez, Gustavo, Gustavo Bedell, mm-hmm. and Tony Freeman all mm-hmm. beat me. Mm-hmm. And... That's not bad for your first time out, you know, mm-hmm. second year was it? Yeah. Second year pro. And I had people back in Denver saying, yeah, man, you should work with this guy. You should work with this guy. I'm like, these are like amateur coaches. Yeah. They're not even like, they don't have a pro on their roster, but you're telling me I should switch camps after I just won, not just one pro show, two pro shows back to back weekends, my first year in 2006 against seasoned veterans. And you want me to kick Honey to the curb. You guys are freaking <laughs> stupid. So for all you guys out there that, you know, want to hire a coach and you've had some success and stuff like that, how about this? Execute everything that he or she is saying. And when it doesn't work, you then give them the look like, hey, man, <laughs> this shit didn't work, man. Like, because a coach is what? A person that can make adjustments at any given moment in time. Now, if they can't make those adjustments, then the coach should be fired. Yeah. But I knew your track record, and I felt, you know what, we're going to figure this out. And because I liked you, mm-hmm. I respected you, and you have a different type of brain. You know what I mean? Like your background it, it isn't just bodybuilding. You know, you worked in consulting with aerospace companies, and I mean, you're a geek. Yeah. You're a super nerd, super professor, whatever you want to call it. But like, <laughs> no, that's different. You're, He's a great you're, professor. You're an intellectual dude. And yeah. I don't think a lot of other coaches are, but I don't think a lot of athletes um, are self aware of the fact that they're not really giving it their all. Like, a lot of guys will say, Yeah, I'm doing cardio, knowing damn well they're not. Right. They rely on, especially P- back then. Yeah, they, man, they're relying on PEDs more than, you know, raw talent and ability. Yeah. 
You know, they're willing to take the shortcuts and they're willing to listen to the peanut gallery. And one thing I will remind everybody that's listening, Hani Rambod is not the coach for you if you need someone to say, good job, yeah. keep going, good job. Hani Rambod is the type of guy that's like, and do it again and again. One more, one more. You guys watch the videos. One more. And you're like, dude, one more was like 10 reps ago. One more, one more. And you're like, and it's almost like he's pulling the freaking it's like snakes have fangs, but he's pulling the venom out. <laughs> they can bite you, but the venom may not come out. He's pulling the venom out, dude. And once he can drive that out of you, it's like, okay, now we can work together. And uh, that's, that's a much more, much more deeper level than I think most coaches understand and know how to extract from their client. But that's why you're who you are. Well, no, I appreciate it. But I think that what really stands out is the fact that in the way we jive together worked so well because we had a lot of common commonalities, which means that like we both grew up as only children. Mm -hmm. We both have very focused views, but you are good at staying your lane as an athlete and allowing me to be the coach. Yeah. And I think that was really good. But whenever somebody feels, and I've had a lot of these clients in the past where they were like, they want to feel like they also have so much knowledge that they want to just come up with something that is not right about your system in their own head. I'm going to do a little more cardio. I'm going to do a little less cardio, or I'm going to add more carbs because he doesn't really know. And what it does is it doesn't do anybody any justice because what it does is it creates variability that the coach doesn't know. So they don't know what's really working and what isn't. But with us, you were so transparent because you were like, look, man, I really have never been coached formally. I had some help from my friends. When I turned pro, I did a couple of shows. and I, But I really am going to give it to you. Here, grab the steering wheel. Let me know, take a ride in the car, tell me what needs to be adjusted. I'll jump in. You help me dial in this car. You're the race car driver. Your body is the race car. I'm the mechanic. Yep. And I'm going to help try to be able to dial this in. And I remember the first show we were working together. And a lot of people don't know this. I, we had to be secret about it. <laughs> yeah. you know. And the yeah. reason why we had to be secret about it is because I wrote for a, for a magazine, Muscular Development, which as of today... And this is what's so crazy about it. Mm -hmm. uh, Steve Bleckman, who's the owner, just shut down the magazine today. Yeah. Crazy. It's been around for many, many years, decades. And from 2003 to about a little over 2013 or 14, every month for like over 120 months, I had a column in there called The Procreator. Yep. So a couple came out a couple years before you turned pro. Mm-hmm. And that's the one that he was, you know, you were referencing. Yeah. You, you used to read. Mm -hmm. And I would talk about my guys. And at the time, 2001, I had the USA overall winner, Quincy Taylor. 2002, I had uh, Idris Wardell. 2003, it was Chris Cook, Mike Dragna, um, those two winners at that show. Uh, and then it kind of went on and on. And then 2005 was when I had Ray Artie. Right. And also Bill Wilmore. And you kind of shadowed me. And it was very interesting because now that I look back at it and how you explain it mm -hmm. was that we were talking 
starting the North Americans, which was a couple of months before the Nationals. Right. But you came to Nationals, and you're like, man, let's go hang out. And I believe it was after the Olympia. And at the Olympia, we hung out. That's really where it, it set the tone for me to want to hang out, or at least when we say hang out. I knew that you were working the, the Nationals yeah. a month later. So I couldn't distract you from your clients. I mean, why would I do that? But yeah, it was at the Olympia where we really got to like to hang. Right. Um, and I and I included you in a lot of the events. Yeah. Because you were the new guy. Yeah. Right? I just turned pro. Mm-hmm. Um, I was getting a one ticket to the go to the Olympia. Imagine being on the cover of the U. Uh, you know, Flex Magazine the night you turned pro at the USA's. I get that cover. Your life changes, and um, anyone that was in that magazine era, your life did change. Everyone would go to the Barnes and Noble, uh, any type of convenience store had your picture. Like you're, you were known every doctor's dentist office. They had flex muscle and fitness everywhere. So my life was changing very, very quickly. And then at the Olympia, I worked the expo with Weeder mm-hmm. and, uh, were you with metrics then? Or no, not no, it was not just yet. Weeder nutrition. Just actually that was when they were all combined. So. They're all combined, but they had already sold the supplements. They already sold shift. Okay. So I was getting paid as if I was working for the supplement company, but I wasn't. So my, right. they kept my pay a lot higher. So mm-hmm. shout out to Robin Chang for helping <laughs> me get <laughs> more money mm-hmm. out the gate. But um, it was that Olympia after party. Yep. So I got to watch, obviously, Ronnie Coleman win number eight. Mm-hmm. It was pretty dope. I mean, even though I was friends with Jay, we weren't as close. I mean, we were, you know, we had just met like two years prior. So I can't say we we're like best friends yet. You know what I mean? Um but I remember watching Ronnie Coleman win. I was like, damn, dude, that, that's a big-ass dude, bro. That shit. I mean, I know how big Jay is, but this, this dude's this different. This is different. Yeah. This is a little different. And then um, I was able to see you guys over at Tao Nightclub. You yep. know, we were hanging out. And um, I'll never forget it because you guys were up on a stage. And I was kind of like, hey, like, what's going on? And you guys are like talking. And I was like, and you're like, come on up. And then Ronnie, like, reaches down mm-hmm. and just kind of, like, picks me up. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 like a sandow like, like it's nothing like he just won the show you know it's like oh yeah yeah dude come on and i'm yeah. like oh my god like this guy is that strong yeah. so we end up hanging out all night but during that time i had asked ronnie about who i should work with and my yeah. eyes were already thinking about you you know what i mean but yeah. like i just had to hear it from him right and he said you and i was like which is crazy because i wasn't there when you asked him that no and I don't even know when that was, Yeah, but I know you, I've, I've heard you tell the story to many people. All right, guys, a quick reminder. We're dropping the new EVP Extreme NO Strawberry Lemonade as well as Strawberry Lemonade EVP 3D. So if you're a Strawberry Lemonade fan or you're just a big pump fan and you want that crazy focus and you want that extra torque, go ahead and check it out, evigennutrition.com. And we have a great new Isoject flavor. We have the new peppermint fudge brownie so again this holidays flavor is for only a short supply and for a limited time check it out and make sure you throw in code honey for that extra 10 percent off at the end of your checkout but i know that you also had reached out to um chad yeah who was coaching ronnie right and again ronnie and i were really good friends and i was coaching his at the time girlfriend right so we were always hanging out mm-hmm. but I was bringing up my own guys that were pre- coming, going from amateur to pro, hence the nickname, the Procreator. 
and then was writing for Muscular Development Magazine and then kind of building my own stable. Exactly. And then, but it was funny that he, you, you know, and I don't think you told me that until way later. Yeah, way later. I didn't tell you. I mean, it was just one of those things that, you know, at the North Americans mm -hmm. in uh, 05, you know, I'm, I'm the new kid, right? I'm the new guy on the block, you know, like everybody's like being super cool. And then they're trying to tell you what you should do. You know, I'm talking to Flex Wheeler. I'm talking to Dexter. I'm talking mm -hmm. to all these different guys and there. No one mentioned you. And they were mentioning other trainers, you know, they're mentioning Chris Aceto, they were mentioning Joe McNeil, they're, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of different people, right? Whoever was up big then. And these are still, you know, big name guys. Yeah. And I understood like where Weeder was because they had a close relationship with Chris Aceto. Chris. So they wanted me to be a Weeder guy with a Weeder, Weeder guy, coach. With, with a, a Weeder, Weeder coach, coach. And it kind of made sense. Um, people don't realize, like, imagine Weeder, the publications and muscular development, like Marvel versus DC. Correct. It's pretty much the same. Like, but we like hated each other. I mean, we as corporations, there's like they didn't like each other. They didn't like each other. They didn't want the athletes to like each other. Like that's it's kind of weird, but it was necessary at the time. Mm -hmm. So no one recommended uh, us to work together, and I thought that was pretty odd. And then um, I had already reached out to Chad through Steve Blackman. Okay. Um, and you know, for whatever reason, I mean, it was probably because it was a different number or whatever. I left a VM, you know, with uh, Chad. Didn't didn't respond. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, well, okay, it is what it is. No big deal. Like he's training, you know, he's trained Ronnie Coleman. He's trained like Flex Wheeler at one point. He's trained a lot of different guys. Mm -hmm. um, okay. And then once Ronnie Coleman said, I should work with you, I was like, done. I was like, that's all right. And the reason was, he said, you need a person that knows what they're doing. So then you don't have to spin your own wheels. Because obviously you have the talent. You haven't been doing this that long, right? I was like, yeah, man, I just started really lifting like two, three years ago. He was yeah. like, oh, man, like, then you need to work with him because he can tell you, like, what to do. You don't need to be trying to figure that out being a pro because you'll waste your time. And that kind of, like, went with Ronnie. Like, Ronnie probably at the very beginning, even though he was with, you know, Brian Dobson training at the gym, mm -hmm. he probably didn't know everything he needed to do, right? Right. For a while. And we, I, I feel like... I shaved way more time, you know, experimenting, stuff like that. You spent and, less time having to, to yeah, try to figure like it out. I, and back right. then there was no, I mean, you barely had the internet. Yeah. I mean, we had message forms. That's why we bought magazines. Right. Because you get the articles in the magazines because you couldn't get it on the internet. If you did, you'd get like a portion of it and it says, buy the next issue for the rest of the column. Yeah. And that's how they would sell magazines. But I think you made a really good point because I think the other thing that Ronnie, the reason why Ronnie probably recommended me, and at some point we got to get Ronnie on here and, uh, and talk a little bit more about it, is the fact that he saw me training with these guys, training these guys, but I would be in the gym, I would help him with their posing, I would help them with their nutrition, I would help them with everything. Right. It wasn't just... Where, where Chad was really good at being able to send over the diets. Right. And I, you know, I don't know how often he would get into the, um, into the weights, but you don't see him in the gym with the guys. He wouldn't travel to the gyms and, and right. do that. Where I would get up, and when I was training Quincy, I would fly to LA from San Jose, and I would be able to go in there and I'd be like, holy shit, Quincy, we need to teach you how to train back so that we can get your back ready. Right. And we'd need to be able to train this. And so I would get on a plane and go do that. Now, again... I wasn't married. I didn't have kids. I didn't have that situation. So I was all in yeah. on every aspect of it, even to the point where I'd help my athletes with contracts. Correct. Right. 
So, I mean, every aspect, because what, did, how did that matter? Well, that would help with stress, you know, stress. Less stress, yeah. So that would help with less stress. And that's how I actually, I started doing that for Ronnie. Mm -hmm. Because Ronnie asked me, he goes, well, I saw you do this for Melvin. I saw you do this for this guy. I saw you do this for that. So I want, you know, when his contract ended with uh, Weeder and he was going to decide if he was going to go to Muscle Tech or somewhere else, I had a phone call from BSN right. looking for an athlete. Yep. And Chris Ferguson hit me up. Uh, Chris and Scott were the two owners of BSN. And at the time, they were a smaller supplement company. And, but they were really aggressive. And they said, who's the best athletes available that you know? I was like, you can't afford them. And they're like, try us. And it was like, his name is Ronnie Coleman. And they're like, Ronnie Coleman, seven-time Mr. Olympia? I'm like, yeah, Ronnie Coleman. And they're like, oh, what do we got to do? And I said, you got to come up with a number. And so yeah. I called up Ronnie. And I said, Ronnie, here, here's, here's a company. They're looking. They were trying to find somebody kind of more, you know, moderate priced, but they're willing because of you and how your greatness are willing to try to work out a number. And he says, just do me a favor. You've done this for other guys that I know and you gave him, you know, got him good deals and you were able to do that. Can you do it for me? And I said, sure. You want me to do it? I'll, I'll, I'll negotiate for you. And so on the contract that he eventually signed, there's four signatures. There's Scott James, who's the owner of BSN, part owner. Then you have Chris Ferguson, the other owner. You have Ronnie Coleman, and you have mine as the witness to that. Mm -hmm. So, and we signed it the morning of that Arnold Classic, and then everybody all overnight knew who BSN was. And then yeah. they came out with NO Explode, and then it literally went it was bonkers, crazy. and then they ended up selling it for $150 million several yeah. years later. But Those were great times back then, by the way. Yeah. I mean, when I say great times, great times as an up-and-coming guy, right. such as myself, seeing ronnie gets signed with a bigger company yeah and then understanding that there's real money in this sport yeah like th there was a substantial amount of money i remember always watching like because again you know for me I, when i turned pro mm -hmm. i wasn't like a scrub pro like i was like one of the guys right so i was able to be privileged to have to be able to sit at different tables right because you had a contract with your supplements but you know with the supplement company but you also had back then a, a contract with either Weeder Publications or Steve would get aggressive right. and pay you to mm -hmm. be with Muscular Development. Right. And whenever there's competition, it increases the price. And at the time, that really helped the market. Right. And then the same thing happened with BSN versus Muscle Tech. And then the contract started to grow. Yeah, because they, they did. They, I always tell people that too, like just like in other sports, like fans may not understand like, Fans should always root for athletes to get paid tons of money. Here's mm -hmm. why. Because it, it'll even allow the lowest paid get more money. The person that is 10th at the Olympia right. to get more. So you Yeah, know. back in the day, Muscle Tech used to do a contract where you'd get you turn pro and you get this two thousand dollars. Dude, I could tell you the first contract I was offered. Mm -hmm. I was running a retail store in Valley Total Fitness mm -hmm. of a uh, Colorado Boulevard in exposition. I still remember the place called the Galleria. I get a phone call. It was from Steve Minardo. He's not there anymore, obviously, but it was a referral through Jay Cutler. Mm -hmm. And Jay was like, hey, th these guys are going to hit you up. I need you to send over like a, like a cover letter, like a, like a resume, you know, like, and I didn't understand any of this jargon. All I knew being fresh out of college, you want a cover letter and resume? I went online 
And I actually studied the corporation of Iowa Health Sciences, researched the whole company. I did an actual real cover letter. And for those of you that don't know, Iovate was the parent company of Muscle Tech. Yeah. So I did the, a real cover letter and resume, mm -hmm. you know, because I went to college for business and IT at the University of Denver, right? right? So I did a real resume and then also typed in the aspiring bodybuilder, did these amateur shows, such and such and such and such, you know, worked an IT job at this, this place, that place. And Steve Minardo calls me up and was like, can I speak to Philip Heath? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, you calling for the marketing position? You, you got a really good physique because I added pictures to it. Okay. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm, I'm a referral from Jay Cutler. Like, he told me to send a cover letter and, uh, you know, like a press kit. Yeah. And he was like, oh, man, I thought you were trying to get a marketing job. Yeah, because it was almost like, like, here's my resume. But I didn't know. So I was trying to get a job. And then uh, to fast forward, it was $1,500. Yep. And like... $350 worth of subs a month. Yeah. And then if you turn pro, it'll double. Uh -huh. No, no, no. It was going to be $2,500. So here's the problem. I was like, okay, I'm currently getting ready for the junior nationals. Right. In my opinion, I'm going to win this thing. Mm -hmm. So if I sign this now, I'm pigeonholed for, let's just say, two months. Right. And then what if I win the USA? Right. So, I'm, so I told him, I said, here, here's the problem. I, I'll sign this deal, but for the 2500 now, and then when I turn pro in a month or two months, mm -hmm. we can renegotiate this entire thing. But okay. at least I'm already locked in. I'm already in the system. Mm -hmm. I'm getting direct deposit. I'm already, you got the photo shoots of me winning the, my pro card. They said no. And, he, and I was like, no, you were literally just ready to give me a marketing job, making more money, making like, I think it was like marketing job, like 65 grand. Okay. But yet you were going to give me a job for basically like 30 grand as a bodybuilder, which would require way more time, effort, and, and money, I, I realized right then and there, I was like, you gotta be more about your business, Phil Heath. Like, you gotta be understanding of how this all works. Yeah. And, you know, it's, um, but hearing about Ronnie Coleman, mm -hmm. Ronnie Coleman getting paid that money, Jay Cutler got paid that money. Yes. Then Dexter Jackson got paid that money. Well, you know, you know, I already, you know yeah, about that. I mean, you, you know, I, I, I don't know, signed. I don't know if you're privy to tell this information. Well, I can because the, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the NDA is done. <laughs> I yeah. So I tried when that whole deal went down. <laughs> things got so heated between BSN and Muscle Tech at the time. Oh yeah, that BSN wanted to basically bring in everybody, right? So and at the time, the number two guy was Jay. Yep. Number one guy was Ronnie, and they said, "Hey, we need the number two guy," and Jay was willing to you know depart depart. And so they're like, okay, we want you, honey, to, to run our athlete program. Who do you think that we should bring on? I said, well, Jay's a no-brainer. But can you afford Jay? And this and that, and they're like, oh, man, we're selling a lot of it. It'll explode. <laughs> <laughs> this, yeah. So this is, a, this is actually going to be a, a, a funny story because it, it was a big dollar amount. And he says, yeah, I want to do it. Well, he didn't say that he had it. <laughs> They had the first right of refusal. Yeah, and he never mentioned that part of his contract. So he so, had to take so, the contract so would, and then go back, right? And then he had to take the contract. Then he went back, renegotiated, and then was able to. I mean, close you helped him deal. get his a better deal with Muscle Tech. No question about it. That's what he did. And uh, could you imagine BSN having both Ronnie and Jay? Well, this, I'm I'm, let's be real about right. this. 
I mean, Muscle Tech was a juggernaut, no question about it. And big, they big sold, time. and they sold for way more than what BSN did. One hundred percent. But the hype, it, it would have been epic. But here's the other thing: they said, "Okay, who else do you have that's up and coming?" Yeah, man. And I said, "You know, here's a guy that I think is going to be up and coming." And um, like, what's he looking for? I said, like, you know, 30, 40 grand. Because that, that's what the number was at the time for you. And they looked at it. And they looked at the pictures. And I think you had just won the. Um, Must have been like USA's or something. You no, know, it was, I believe it was around that time you had won the USA. We might have just won. There's no way they was, offered that. Yeah, low of it was. A it was something. Deal. Maybe it was. It was pretty close. Oh, Maybe it was. It could have been right before you. It won. had to be right before. It might have been right before you won your first show. But whatever it was, I remember they sat on it. Mm-hmm. They sat on it, and to this day, I torture Scott James and Chris. But I see Scott a lot more because he lives right. here here in Dallas, um, the old owner of BSN, and uh, and I torture him. I, I think we went out to dinner about a month ago. I bring it up every time. As you should. And, and, Shout out to Scott James. You owe me like steak dinner for life. This is what he said. They go, him and him and it's not just him. It was him and, and, oh, yeah. and Chris. Him, Chris, Chris, James, Tracy. Yeah, all, all the dudes, guys. Man, all the guys like, from BS1. Yeah. And they're like, we don't see what you see in this guy named Phil Heath. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said. He's like, because they're like, we don't think he could be Mr. Olympia, and uh, we don't, we just don't see like, it. Yeah, okay. I'm like, and I no, I, I didn't say, oh, okay. I was like, because you know me, right, right, right. I, I can't just be like, oh, okay. Right. I was like, what you talking about, Willis? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I was like, okay, look, I know what you're saying. He's no Ronnie Coleman, but I think he has got a lot of greatness in him. Mm-hmm. And I think that, again, I was the athlete manager, right? And I said, look, I think that he's going to be really, really good. And are like, well, we've been thinking about it, and I, it's a pass for us. And it wasn't a, a huge amount of money. It was whatever it was. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it, was, it wasn't a huge amount of money. And you got to remember, valuations have changed a lot because of TikTokers, um, because of right now uh, YouTube and all these YouTubers. They're the ones that drive the market now, right? Right, because they're the ones that can show, you know, instant gratification with their codes and everything else of how much they bring. Right. It's not about winning shows. Back then, it was about winning shows because there was no other competition right. with the com- with the competitors. Yeah, it didn't matter how good you looked in your bathroom, no. raising your fucking, you know, drawers down a little bit to show your freaking V. Right. You know, it was right. more about like mm-hmm. what what have you done? That's right. And I can and I can piggyback off of that, like. Because of the ads. Because just the, remember, because yeah. in the magazines had forty or fifty ads in one magazine of three hundred. Right. You'd have forty muscle tech ads in there. Right. And you'd have these before and afters that muscle tech would run. Mm-hmm. You'd have um kind of Jay sitting there, you know, bulking at three hundred and ten yeah. pounds. Well, they're doing a lot of storytelling with these ads That's as well, right. you know, talking about how the they're called advertorials. Went. Yeah, advertorials, exactly. And uh, you know, to coincide with that story, which is hilarious. Um, there's lack of vision all the time. I mean, you know, and and regarding with BSN with Ronnie Coleman, I don't blame them because of who they also had on roster. They had Monica Brandt, they had Triple H, like they they were billing like this. No, not yet. Oh, that, that came later. Okay. Mo- well, Monica was was with them um, yeah. for for a little bit of time, yeah. but Triple H came later. But what had happened was that in the bodybuilding world, Ronnie had already won seven. Right. They were able to 
take that, mm-hmm. create Yeah Buddy kind of like videos oh, yeah. and all of those things where they would have pictures of him squatting on the back of the NO Explode bottle. Yeah. And it was a very new category. Mm-hmm. Pre-workout was around, but before that there was like Ultimate Orange. There were some other yeah, you know, was, kind of stuff, but it wasn't it, heavily marketed no, yet. No, not yet. So Chris having a great mar- you know, had a great mind for marketing and marketing degree, he slapped on the Ronnie Coleman, yeah, buddy. I'm in mean, all those crazy videos, and it just so happened that Ronnie Coleman was, uh, you know, doing videos like the the cost of redemption at that same right. time where he's squatting 800 pounds. They were able to use that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a perfect storm. So it just made absolute sense to to you know combine forces, and for me, of course, you know, just coming out of the gate, you know, even though I have that per, you know that cover of flex, big deal, right? Next big thing, whatever. Going into my first pro show, obviously you had this conversation. I had another conversation. So uh, Jay hits me up and he was like, hey, I, I got, I, I think you should go with Muscle Tech. You know, like they're great. They treat me great. And I said, okay, cool. Well, I already had that conversation with Steve Menardo. He's like, no, 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 I totally get it, man. Like Dave Conlon's going to hit you up. I said, okay. What's, gonna, what's the number? I told him you signed for like 100 grand. It's a lot of money. You should mm-hmm. take it. I said, okay. They call me up. Dave calls me up. He hits me with like, like $68,000. And this is about, I think we're like four weeks out from my pro debut. Mm-hmm. And this is how these companies used to do it. Like they, they try to get you in an emotional state, right? They, like, oh right. yeah, because they know that you're, and maybe it was just coincidence. So we're on the phone. Everything is cool. He gives me the number. And I said, man, that's way off. He goes, excuse me? I said, yeah, man. Like, didn't you talk to Jay? And I was kind of like, I wouldn't say arrogant about it, but I was like, didn't you talk to him though? Like, isn't that your guy? You know what I'm saying? Like he right. referred, like he organized this. And he was like, yeah, but we came up with this. I said, okay, well, I don't like it and I'm not going to sign it. He goes, oh really? Well, and I said, why, why didn't you, you know, why not a hundred? You know, why not 85 or, you know what I'm saying? Whatever. Like, whatever. Why this number? And he was like, well, you haven't done anything yet. I said, oh. Well, I'm about to, and I'm about to beat all your fucking athletes in a few fucking weeks. And um, I said, and, and here's the best part about it. We're going to have a different conversation. So, won the pro debut, turned around and won the uh, uh, New York pro. But that was like a week or two later. No, it was a week later. Yeah, you're right. It, it was, was a immediate, week. It was back-to-back weekend. Didn't you bro. have to go to L.A. in between? So, we can talk about that. So we do the pro debut. <laughs> yeah. Now I remember. Yes. Yes. In 2005. It was the, the weekend Colorado of Pro. The, the Colorado Pro, Sean right. Ray Colorado Pro-Am. Right. I do, we do, first show together. Um, shredded. Shredded, bro. Right. Fuck. Just shredded. <laughs> yeah. You would, I mean, you when shredded. people were talking about like, you know, like now nowadays when people say, oh, yeah, you can see his glues through his freaking shorts and stuff like that. I'm like, bro, I used to walk around with white spandex. Yeah. And people would be like, that's crazy. That like Phil Heath got real like grill marks yeah. through his glutes, you know, like and I well, was Well, and the reason for that was because I knew you weren't gonna be the biggest guy. Hell no. I probably and, weighed like two ten. Yeah. Well, how much did you weigh when you turned pro? Like uh well, you gotta keep in mind it was a two day show and I weighed in uh, I think Wednesday or Thursday like Thursday. Yeah. I was like two ten. So I think we were like between 210 and 214. For some reason, I have 214 in my head. Maybe. But, 212. 
I, I remember 212. You could have won the 212s, bro. Oh, my God. <laughs> Not with that weak back, man. <laughs> yeah, that, your that back, back was you that back was. You didn't weak, have a you know? back. I didn't, I didn't have all that then, but I was shredded. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was, it was but, shredded. But, again, put things in context for all the listeners. When we were getting ready for that show, nobody could see us together because the cat would be yeah, out of the back yeah. and then they would put pressure on him because they were like don't work with somebody from another magazine because they not- would get because people don't realize like you guys like if they would have known then then i think each like for for instance weeder would have been pissed because they're like well, wait a minute now honey rambod knows everything with our athlete who we're paying exclusive rights to right so who could be first to market honey has his own column <laughs> <laughs> So they're probably thinking like, oh shit, we're right. gonna lose out. Like we're gonna lose some information. We're gonna lose some information and, right. and storytelling and stuff like that. But it didn't really matter because backstage, you know, I, I did my first round. Yeah. And one of the funniest things that a lot of you guys don't know about me is that early on in my career, I was scared shitless to be on stage. Like you see you see the videos of me walking out, you know, Dream Killer activated, like like I'm about to it wasn't always like that. So Walking out there at my first pro show was kind of like walking out there at my first amateur show. Very scared and intimidated because you're seeing guys backstage and you're fans of these guys. I got to see Bill Wilmore. I got to see, you know, Marcus Haley. I got to see, was Bill Wilmore in that? No, no, no. No, he Mar- Marcus Haley was. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, David Henry. Darren Charles. Darren Charles. Darren Charles, which was the king of those those sh- smaller shows. Yeah, smaller shows. He would do like five, six shows a year at, and, and, he just would rack crush up, and just crush rack him. up money. Right. And Kai Green. That was his first pro show. That's right, Kaiser. And, and uh, you know, Gary Stridham was at that show. I mean, a lot of guys was at this show. And I'm Gary like, was Gary Stridham I made a remember. comeback oh, at I, that show, dude. Tells you how focused I was. I didn't even right. remember so, when Gary was so there. So here I am getting ready, and, you know, we do our first call out. Uh-huh. We go backstage, and you're pissed because I'm just happy to be here. Yeah, man, I'm like taking pictures, you know, like I'm like, hey, dude. Like I'm that. in the top three. I'm in the top yeah. five. I'm and in the first call out. Honey, come, were, honey comes dude, out. What I'm the pissed. Fuck? I'm pissed. He's so mad. And then that's when the cat got out of the bag because the late Peter, McGruff, Peter McGuff, who was a senior editor of, of Flex, Flex magazine. magazine, he was like definitely a, a huge inspiration to me. He was a father figure to me. And he was looking after me backstage. But then he realized right away, wait a minute, this is your coach? And you didn't tell me? And he was just like, you better win, you know, like yeah. do your thing. And we did our thing. Do you remember what he said to you? What he goes, I, cause I came up Yeah, and I started lit, oh, you, lighting you up. You lit my ass on fire. <laughs> I mean, I'm livid. I'm like, you got to get your head in the game. You were like a deer in headlights. I remember you were just like, you were just scared shitless. Yeah. And I was like, okay, look, this is the first, I know it's your first pro show. You are in the fight. He goes, yeah, yeah, I'm in the fight. I'm happy. I go, no, you can win this. You don't understand. You can win this. Stop fucking around and go out there like you're actually deserved to win this show. Stop messing around. Okay. You're sitting there wanting to take, you know, get autographs with people and stuff, like take photos on the side of the stage. And then you turn around and you're like, what? And I'm like, and then Peter McGuff walks over and says, listen to everything he just said. And that's what he said to you. Mm-hmm. He goes, whatever he just said to you, you listen to it. And then you're like, okay. So now Peter doesn't have to say anything. He just says what basically confirms everything that I just said. And then I'm like, you got this? And he goes, yeah. You're like, yeah. And then all of a sudden it was game on. It was 
pretty much game over after that. I mean, if anyone ever watches like the my pro debut, you could see like the first couple call outs and then that last call out, Darren Charles and I were like jockeying for a position like in there and I was not mm-hmm. letting him like in my space. And I posed with everything I had. And, and, and again, what people don't realize also is that my pro debut happened to be in the town I was living in, in Denver, Colorado. And I had everyone from the gym, everyone from the bodybuilding community there. So Hani did what you know other coaches did for me. Ron Howard, Mike Bathia, Jason Basket, saying, it's your time. Like, stop fucking around. Let's go. And the rest was really history. But what's crazy after that first pro show, we win. We have a great time, right? Then we realize, oh, shit, you got to do it again. So then I leave for California. Mm-hmm. Yep. And this is, the, this is the craziest part about being a pro back, at, back, back then. You would win a pro show you would, or you would compete at a pro show whether you won or not. And then as a weed or athlete, you would do photo shoots thereafter. Right. And we would go to Milo Sarchev's gym in Fullerton. Yes, right. At the old Coliseum. Yep. I would stay at a residence in across the street. Yep. And, um, you know, first place at the Sean Ray Pro-Am was $25,000. Mm-hmm. And I got the $1,000 fan choice award, whatever. Excuse me. And um, I get there and I look at my bank account and the check bounced. Oh, I remember this. Yeah. Yeah. So... <laughs> the $1,000 went through. The $25,000 from Biotech (laughs) didn't go through. Right. And they couldn't verify the funds. So I'm like frantic. Like, what the fuck? Like, what's going on? Like, and Weeder at the time, they were like, we can, I mean, you have a hotel room. Like, we got you on that, but we're not going to, like, we can only do so much. Right. Um, I was like, man, like, they, my bank account was negative three grand. I'm like, what is going on? I'm calling Sean Ray. I'm like, what the fuck? You know, where's... Where's these owners at? Where's your bosses at? They're like, they're in China, bro. Like, they'll be back soon. I'm like, and I'm supposed to do photo shoots? So I was like, you know what? Stress. You're, you're still, stress you're still, is through the roof. Right, now. stress is through the roof. And I'm just like, you know what? What's the reality? The reality is that I'm already here. Right. I have a place to stay yep. and a place to train. Yep. And I'm contracted to do these pictures with Chris Lund. Just do, the, do your job the best you can. Yep. These are, these are moments in time that are going to be celebrated later on. Yep. Um, I'm glad I did that, but what was the funniest part was remember the food. Leave, that's what I was getting to. So imagine going through all that stress, maintaining your composure, trying to realize that now as a young man that is now getting paid like lump sums of money, then mm-hmm. the bank wants to hold that money. They're only giving me like five hundred dollars at a time. Yeah, because your <laughs> account didn't never have anything close to it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so the bank's like, nah, man, we're not gonna just let this pass. So anyway, that goes through like two weeks later, but. I had to prepare my meals to go get on a flight from uh, from uh, John Wayne Airport to all the way to New York yep. for the New York Pro mm-hmm. with Steve Weinberger. I get on that flight and then realize one major thing: I had left all the food that I was preparing back at, back the, at hotel. the hotel, and you you yep. hadn't you weren't going to get there until the next day. Yep. So I had no food. I'm like carving up on cream of cream of rice or whatever with. Yep. Uh, Nothing really, and then factory Mubrak, you know, who I just competed mm-hmm. against at the yep. USA's, yep. Um, happened to go get me some food, but it wasn't a lot. And I remember you finally got there, and the first thing you said is, "Like, man, you look like shit." And I was like, 
And I'm like, <laughs> we, I'm like I get to New York like, and I'm like, what have you done? I'm like, not eat, dude. Like, yeah. I, I ain't got no money. Yeah. I have nothing, man. And, you know, I'm just trying to, like you say, you know, I'm just doing, at the end of the day, I've, I've been, I've been poor before, man. Yeah. A lot of people don't think that, you know, but like, I've been yeah. dead ass broke as a bodybuilder, man. Yeah. And imagine winning your first pro show. You got, you got the covers, you got, you know, you're doing all this cool shit. And you got you got a coach that you vibe with, like you're you're trying to go back to back weekends, and you could really do it because half the guys that you just beat are going to be in New York too. Well, pull up the New York Pro 2006 and uh, IFBB New York Pro, and that was a lot more athletes than the Dude. The, the Colorado because you have some names in there. Uh, don't pull up images. Pull up uh, pull up the list, and I would say. Yeah, not yeah. You want the list of the top ten. So let's see if you can pull up the top ten. Yeah, that yeah that was a. Let's see. Ooh. There you go. First place, Phil Heath. Second place, Darren Charles. Third place, Dennis James. Fourth place, David Henry. Fifth place, Bill Wilmore. Sixth place, King Kamali. Seventh place, George Farah. Eighth place, Rodney St. Cloud. Ninth place, Yaroslav Horvath. Horvath. Tenth place, Pavel. Jablonicki, dude. Yeah, Jablonicki. Eleventh, Eddie Abu. Um, Twelfth, Jason Arns. Thirteenth, Luke Wood. Fourteenth, Silvio Samuel. Um, Fifteenth, uh, John Hodgson. I, I mean, mean, and then... Kai Green didn't even place. Wow. You know, I mean, so yeah. So the ones that were out of the top fifteen was Kai Green. Um, let me see here, Alexander Fedorov, who, 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 who literally shook the shit out of the whole bodybuilding industry in what was that two thousand and three? Yeah, the dude from Russia, he had a torn pack, and I remember seeing him. He was two hundred seventy two pounds as an amateur on stage, and yeah, he got he to, was a monster. He got to compete next to Coleman, yep. and Jay mm-hmm. on a, at the Russian Grand Prix. And yep. he actually and he, he took second, and a lot of people said he pushed <laughs> Ronnie that year, yeah, which he did in terms of size. I mean, obviously he should never beat Ronnie. No. he didn't. But I'm just saying is that he looked dude monsters, <laughs> and that was uh, just two years prior at 2004. So yeah. you had it was a stacked lineup. I mean, you got Dennis James, and you had coaches like George Farah, yeah. and that's why George doesn't like you because you beat him on stage and, and you clients. beat his guy <laughs> and all his clients. Whoop that uh, ass. Bro. <laughs> You know, it's like Tom and Jerry, that one meme where he's like <laughs> slapping that ass, you know, like beating his ass. Yeah, I was whooping all that you, ass. You would torture George, man. You would torture George well, because he, called, he would try to, he would talk a lot of shit and then he would turn around and say he was going to put you in retirement. Oh, dude. I remember that. I remember that? It. I loved Remember it, when though, he man. said that to you? Oh, he said a lot of things. Oh. But, uh, but yeah, no, but it was very competitive and I was able to win that show. That show, the, the New, New York, York Pro, Pro, I weighed 208.6. After prejudging. Yeah, because you didn't eat. Didn't have, <laughs> you didn't have any food. So when, you know, fast forward to this year's uh, Olympia. I think, I know, you know what? I remember what happened. Because Bill was at the show. Mm-hmm. And, and Bill placed in the top five. Yeah. Bill, who had just turned pro yep. the year before, mm-hmm. he did the show. I went and got food from him to give to you. <laughs> yeah. Immediately, because yeah, because yeah, couldn't order. Well, we tried to order room service, and no, they didn't but have the, it. But the problem was with room service, that was only for the secret shit, like you know the burgers and stuff. Oh yeah, know, the, the secret the, burgers. the secret burgers. But the thing that you had to do was get 
I'd literally say, hey, man, Bill, can I can I get some food? And, he, you know, Bill's the nicest guy ever. He'd yeah. be like, absolutely, just whatever you need. Mm-hmm. And then so, uh, you know, <laughs> it was like, uh, it was like, hey, man, we need some more chicken. <laughs> I need some right. more steak. I it, need some more rice. It was just different back then. You know, I mean, we were all, anyone that worked in your stable, camp. in yeah. your camp, I mean, we're all friends, right? right. And, uh, you know, shout out to Bill Wilmore for even, you know, helping me out with that. Obviously, I didn't let him down by winning that show. But it also developed a lot of resilience. He's like letting me down. He's like, man, if you would have been six, I would have moved up one. <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. But no, in all seriousness, like right yeah. then and there, I'm like, wait a minute. Back-to-back weekends, pro debut, then and then, you know, you think. Yeah, the stress w- of the money. That's mm-hmm. that. I mean, imagine finally making it, saying, okay, man, I got this money coming in. Then the money doesn't show up. And then. When did the money show up? I remember that you were so pissed. You're like, I'm not going to. I mean, you were pissed. Well, bro, like you got to remember. Of course. And you had a right to be. Bro, I did the junior nationals with $43 fucking in my bank account. Yeah, because it's time you were working at Bally's, right? And I spent all my money on prep. Yeah. All my money on prep. And then I finally get a contract. Right. You know, and then. So what's funny about that. I get the contract. They give me like a little sign bonus of like, when I say little, it's not little, you know, it's five grand. I was mm-hmm. like, man, that's great. Yeah. And um, my car had just broken down. I was driving a 1990 Acura Integra GS, right? Right. And it got trapped in a flood in Denver. And the car was no good. So for three weeks, I had no vehicle. I was bumming rides for my roommate and either catching a bus or riding a bicycle to work during prep. And you know, even with that money, when I got that check, I was like, okay, I'm going to go out, buy a car. I buy a car. It was a, remember the, the Lincoln? Yep. So I bought this green. It was green. It was green. Right. It was, it was a Lincoln, Lincoln LS. LS8. Yep. With the V8. Bought that bitch. Brought it home to our spot. Put the armor all in the tires. Had the NPC wear because, you know, I got hooked up. Because you couldn't even buy that anywhere else. Like you had to like find like a special store to go get it right. in Denver. There was only one store that you could get NPC wear. So I'm wearing the the short shorts, the tank top, and the bandana looking like Sean Ray, whatever, right? You know, like how he used to wear it. Yeah. And I'm driving to the gym. Within three minutes after I left my place, I get rear-ended. I just had the car for three fucking hours. Oh, wow. My credit score was like 560 or some shit, you know? So, like, my mom had the cosign, and she was like, you better freaking pay this. Like, I'm not going to be liable. Right. So I freaking, you know, make the payment. But I get rear-ended, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, it was so bad that I hit the car in front of me. They hit the car. It was really bad. Right. I get out of the car, shredded. This is two weeks out. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm like, get the fuck out of the car. And the guy's like, uh-uh, I ain't doing shit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> And um, I say that because I bring all this up because this was, I think two weeks out from the Denver. USA's or USA. No, this is USA's. This is I'm talking about how broke I was. Forty three dollars, forty three dollars, no money. Went you know get get a contract, had a flooded car, buy a new car, get rid of it, have no car, right? Still got to compete. Back goes out the week before the USA's. Get you know find this new thing called chiropractic work. You know get that done. Um, win my pro card. Fast forward. Pro debut, win the pro debut, get money, lose money because it never goes through. No, you eventually got paid. And then after that, after the New York Pro, I got a call from Larry Pep. And he said, have you signed with anyone? Mm -hmm. I said, no. He goes, don't. 
just hold off. I was right. like, man, I'm I'm trying to get paid now. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Well, fuck yeah, this. Yeah, that's right. I gotta get paid, bro. Because you like, just won two shows. I just won two shows. The phone's ringing, dude. Like right. now the phone's ringing. Yeah. And you know, I left my job at Valley Total Fitness. Yep. You know, a year prior, so I'm just getting paid as a a, a weeder athlete. And I waited, and I got a phone call from Frank from Frank Seppi. That's right. And Frank Seppi was an athlete for Metrics. Uh, uh, for Met- Metrics, he was an athlete right. rep for Metrics, and I ended up signing with Metrics. And I got my first contract. I'll just disclose it. I was getting paid ten grand a month. And, you know, I'm thinking with that, with my weeder deal, that was that really was, good money. It was huge money. It was huge you money. Got, and you got to remember, and this is what this is what the thing is about back then. There was only a handful of people who got paid because there was no influencers. That was the influence. It's the only way you're going to get paid that, by getting a pro card and actually that's winning, right, and winning shows. Because they needed you for the magazine covers. They need you to talk about the brand because there was no YouTube. There was no Instagram. There was none of that shit. And so it was like only thing that they would do is take your title and post it all over their and product. Say, pro bodybuilder, no champion, winner, champion of this show, this champion show, of right. this, because that was that's the right. only validity. That, that was, was the it. only way of convincing an audience that you knew what the hell you were talking about. Right. And I remember the funny part about working with Frankie was he offered me the deal. Right. Um, but Muscle Tech called again. Dave Conley called again, and he was like, "Hey, Bill." And I was like, "But you didn't go." Oh man, I said, "Who's this?" Yeah, you didn't go, and he goes, "Oh, it's like yeah, that." And yeah, I'm you like, "You're very loyal to." I was like, "No, I told him I was like, it's like that." And yeah, I, t- I was like, "Remember, I told you, the price is going to go up." Right, and the price went up. Signed with Metrics, had a great relationship with them for four years, and then went to Team Muscle Tech thereafter. But what's funny about all that is, um, you know, winning my first two pro shows, right? Uh, you told me to sit out mm-hmm. <laughs> the Olympia. Yeah, let's talk about that. Because that's a very defining moment in your career. And this is another example of your coachability. Everybody who qualified for the Olympia would do the Olympia. Nobody would sit it out, especially back then. And I sat down with you and I said, look, Phil, you're 210 pounds. If you go in and do the Olympia, are you going to look good? Yeah. But are you going to look, you're going to have to stand like next to Ronnie Coleman, Jay Cutler, Dexter Jackson, so on and so forth. So my thing was that, do you really want to do that? Or do you want to improve so that when you eventually step on stage, you're a formidable opponent to them? And you know what? You gave no pushback on it. No. You were so dialed in that it really made things a lot easier for me because you're like, Sounds like a plan. Okay, we're going to sit it out. What do you want to do next year? And I said, let's just go over that in a couple of months. Mm-hmm. And you were very focused and you were just really good at taking direction. Yeah, it was great because I was still fresh and mm-hmm. I knew that too, right? And um, I was glad that you said it. The problem was that you couldn't negotiate it with my sponsor, right. <laughs> with, with Weeder. I had to sit in the principal's office, so to speak. Well, because Joe Weeder. And had to explain which it was to alive Joe. at the time. Yeah, I had to explain it to Joe, to explain it to Peter, to explain right. it to Robin. And, you know, imagine being paid. And, and I was just like, I hear what you guys are saying, that I could be top three at my first Olympia. But, oh, you you remind us of, like, Kevin Lebroni and this and that, like how they came out and they, they got, you know, top three their first time. I'm like, but my coach, you know, like he feels like and, – and the good thing is we already had, you know – A track record. A track record of proof that showed that 
what we're doing is working. Let's not mess this up. Right. Um, so I was very happy that they were willing to accept that, but it made people uh, obviously upset. It was the following year that really made the difference because then we did the Arnold Classic and then I got fifth and then I asked Frank Seppi, because you immediately after we did the show, you said, I need you to ask your sponsor with Metrics right now. Can you just sit it out, sit it out one more back time? back then, his second year, your second year, <clears throat> now we're talking 2007, he went in and did the Arnold. He plays fifth. I looked at him, said, you're not big enough. You're not big enough. Mm -hmm. You're still not big enough. Yeah. You need an off season, another off season. And you go, what do you mean? And I said, you need to take a full year and grow if you want to be able to mess around with these bigger guys. And you said, okay. And I said, okay, well, and here's the issue though. This is the second time that you're going to take a pass because you qualify. Yeah. Back then, yeah, the top, top five, five yeah. at the Arnold would qualify for the Olympia. Yep. And you were going to have to sit it out again. And so now you have to talk to Weeder again and you have to talk to your nutrition sponsor. So at the time. Yeah, the nutrition sponsor was paying more. So that was priority number one, right? right? Uh, because in contracts, you know, they want to make sure that you compete a certain amount, of time, certain amount of times per year. Yeah. And with metrics, I mean, although... I was obligated to compete twice within a calendar year. Mm -hmm. They were cool because they could just, because at least Frankie could understand what we were trying to do. Right. And I was willing to do as many photo shoots as they wanted in supplementing those things. And with metrics, uh, they, at that time were in C stores, they were all over. So they, were, they, they made me travel more, which was, I was like, sure. Put me on flights. I don't care. Um, so when he said, yes, you were like, oh, it was like, it was almost like you were relieved. 100%. Because the next step was to then fly to California. <laughs> and you couldn't do these things over the phone back then. Yeah. You know, the, the, in my opinion, the, the correct approach was always to meet a man in the eye and, yeah. and tell him, like, this is how I feel. And the bigger picture, explaining, because you allowed me to see what the bigger picture was. And I was able to convey that message to Weeder. And then they were like, all right. You know, I remember even Robin was like, all right. Okay. And I remember the internet. That on their homepage said, Phil, he sits out again. Mm -hmm. And the people on every chat room was just, I mean, they were letting me have it. I mean, it was really bad. And so much that when we went to the Olympia, Dexter, Melvin were talking shit to me while I'm sitting in the audience with you mm -hmm. during the press conference. Yep. And I'm like, Bro, I'm just, I'm actually here to watch a show, bro. I'm like, this is how these guys be acting? And you're like, yeah, man, you just got to ignore it, whatever. No, I said use it as fuel. Yeah. Because Dexter, especially, he man. Dexter pissed. loved to, love, and he still does. Mm -hmm. He, he saw, you know, he stirs the pot. Dexter Jackson, you know. He I, don't, gets, I don't blame him, though. Yeah, but, you know, I, Dexter and I go way back. Yeah. Yeah, we go way back. And um, all the way to the curly top. We'll bring Dexter on here. And he can tell the story with curly top. Because he motivated me into doing a lot of things to help elevate me. Because mm -hmm. he talked a lot of shit to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it was like, I always say that gasoline I can tell the story, the but you know. Well, I'm going to wait for Dexter. We got to get Dexter on Yeah, here. you got to wait till he Because that's, that's a Dexter. Because it's a, it was another, that was a defining moment for me. Yeah. Because he really, really got me turned up mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. uh at uh, we were in Pittsburgh, yeah, and it was I think it was around 2006 or seven, 
um, yeah, around that time. Around that time, yeah, because yeah. you were getting a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. right? I was still in a lot of attention. That and that was probably the reason why these guys weren't happy because yes, I was, I was a hundred percent. Look, I got to cover the night I won my pro card. Yes. Meaning, what does that mean? That means I took the pictures a month prior, right? And they rushed it, right? And I was like the new golden boy. Yeah, you know, I was I was the guy that was making all this money. And what's wild is, yeah, they were like what, f that guy with the green eyes. Exactly, right. And they were real green eyes, you know. They weren't like the contest that Sean Ray had and shit, you know. What I mean? <laughs> so, so what was cool was that during those two off seasons, yeah. obviously I'm training, we're doing our thing. I supplemented the income that I was so called missing out on at the Olympia, yeah. by getting more guest posing, yeah, and building a fan base that way. Because unlike today, where like you talk about social media with YouTube, TikTok, all that stuff. You had to get on the road, kind of like a comedian. Mm -hmm. You want to get better as a comedian, you get in the car. Like yep. comedians do it still. Yep. You get in the car, you drive. Right. You just drive, you, you stop. You drive, you stop. And you just keep, you know, getting gigs. And it didn't matter if it was, you know. And the more you guest pose, the more gigs you'd get. Yeah. So I would just do gig after gig after gig. I would call. I would cold call promoters out of the NPC magazine that would come out every other month. And I would go on the back page and I would just call these guys. And, and tell my rates and try to grandfather these people in, you know, to like, hey, if I'm charging $2,500, I'll keep you there if you just hire me for the next year. Right. I collectively, between those two years, made more money on average than the person that was placing sixth and seventh at the Olympia. Just by getting in the car, getting on the plane. And doing guest and, and doing guest appearances and, and meeting, yep. physically meeting people. And I love that shit. Mm -hmm. So by the time 08 comes... Oh, man, it was a different Phil Heath, man. I mean, we we went into the um, Iron Man. Yep. And that was... Uh, yeah, so what we did, for a little bit of backstory, was you said, okay, what are we doing next? And I said, we're going to do the Iron Man. And that was always in February. Yep. And so we did the Arnold. You placed fifth. We sat out the whole entire year. Yep. We were both super hungry. Because everybody's like, well, now you're sitting out. So everyone's pouring fuel on the fire, fuel on the fire for both you and myself. And so what we did was we started spending more time together too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's when I started focusing more and more on your training mm -hmm. and saying, okay, we need to grow your back. Right. We need to grow your chest. We need to grow your shoulders. Yep. We need to grow your quads. All of these areas. And that's when you had, I think, one of your biggest jumps. Oh, yeah, easily. If you look at 2007, uh, if you look at 2007 Arnold Classic, mm -hmm. I was like 216. You pull up 2008 Arnold Classic, I weighed 232 on stage. Mm -hmm. and, and the coolest thing about it was that filming in Flex Magazine, you have the, I had a cover in both years. Mm -hmm. And you could see the difference, not just in the cover shots, but also on stage. And it was a, you know, it was a collective effort. You know, you would devise up the plan. We'd meet up, we'd train. Yep. And I was seeing the 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 growth. I think by, okay, we did the Arnold Classic in 2007. By that November at Nationals, I was like at my largest off season. I was like 268. And I remember you sending pictures to Jay and he was like, what the fuck, bro? Like, what's going <laughs> on? You know, like... Yeah. And uh, we did the Iron Man, and that was one hell of an event. The 2008 Iron Man. Pull up the. There's a, a great cover that Per Bernal took for muscular development, and um, it's the black and white that he put together of you doing a most muscular 2008. 
uh, Iron Man. Phil Heath, 2008 Iron Man Pro. Go ahead and put that up. Right, that black and white one in the middle. There you go. Yeah, that was sick, dude. Yeah. So that's when that breakout year. Yeah. And then so you won that show. Mm-hmm. And the funny, here, here's a funny story about how your first show, you were kind of like deer in the headlights. <laughs> yeah. And you were like all geeked out that you were the first call out. And you're like, yeah. oh, yeah, I'm happy go lucky. You know, I'm just happy to be here. And then I had to go there and kind of wake you up to like, no, you got to go to in there and try to win. Mm-hmm. And then you fast forward to this Ironman. People were literally in the show competing against you. And on the side of the call outs were asking to do photos and their wives were coming over to the side so they can take photos with you. Yep. And I had to come over and be like, stop that shit. <laughs> like, I'm like, <laughs> bro, I signed a fucking magazine on the side of the stage. It was, it was crazy. It was just, man. I'm like, dude, no, this show is going but on. But the people are laughing. I know, but it was, it was horrible. It was bad. It, it dude. was bad. It was great though. They, it was they, a great feeling because I'm sure, you know, cause you came out, and then everybody was like laughing, right? They were like, holy shit. Well, because there's some shit talking going on. You know, there was a lot of shit talking Gustavo going on. Gustavo Bedell talked a lot of shit. That's right. Silvio Samuel was saying what he had to say. Uh, Mel Masawi was saying what he had to say because the, the, the growing theme was Phil doesn't have a back. He right. doesn't have this. And he just has arms. And, you know, and I was that golden boy like person, right? He's getting it. He's the gift. He gets everything. It's like, okay. You're and handed then, everything. That's what they all said. And then, we, and then we showed him. Yep. And when I was peeled yeah. again, but like, Do you remember with, backstage when you're pumping up, I, I was, was back so, there with you. Like, so honey, so here's the funny <laughs> thing about honey. He was talking about again, like how I was very insecure and very scared. And you know, every time when I you go on there's stage, a video. we got to find the video. Yeah, we I, think find Ron, the video. I think so Ron, Ron Abadan, give, get big.com. So he was there with honey. I'm, uh, <laughs> pumping up and honey's like serious. I was go, super serious. He was super serious. Right. So he brings over Ron, and Ron's that guy that gets all the celebrity trash and bash pictures. You know, like he just puts stuff up there, and you know he's always done me a good good service. But some of his followers, they I mean, they would just let me have it, right? So like, I was like, okay, he's with Honey. What's going on? Honey's got this discerned face on on himself, and I'm just like, fuck, man. Like, all right, I know I look good, but like, so he's pumping up. Everyone's pumping up, and they're waiting. They said, hey, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, you have till you get on stage. And so he's pumping up. He's getting all serious and everything else, and. I brought Ron Avedan over, and what, then what? And then Honey's like, hey, uh, uh, pump up real quick some more, and then uh, peel down real quick. Yeah. And I was like, all right. He goes, all right, squeeze, do this, do this. And I was like, we're good? And he was like, yeah, you got it. Yeah, you're all right. Yeah, I think we're good. And then um, I'm like, what the fuck? And then he was like, no, nah, man, I think we're good, bro. We got this. No, shit. no, 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 no. That's not how it went down. That's how I, I said. What I said this. I'm like, oh, man, I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And you're like, for a split second, yeah, your you face was right. Yeah, you got me like, for a second. Then you're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, no, dude, you're going to crush this shit. Yeah. Go in there, fuck them up. <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> like, know? now I think about it, that was 15 years ago. So, yeah, all I remember is like, <laughs> what? What did you say? Yeah. Oh man! And he was like, and Ron no, Avedan's glasses, you know, he's got really up, like, they, yeah, yeah exactly they fogged up because he's like laughing his ass off, like he's trying to hold it in. And yeah, man, uh, we just, I mean, we funny. definitely destroyed some people, you know, that night. Yeah, but what was really, really what was really funny is after the show, and this is how it works: when you win a show, you're excited, you want to go eat. Everybody that's won a show, especially amateurs, you know, you you get like this freaking scroll of all the restaurants you want to eat from. As a pro that is actually trying to be Mr. Olympia, 
you don't really get to do that. And Hani Rambot and I were driving back to the hotel, and he's like, yeah, man, you get to have a, a burger, like two burgers. You get to go to – and I was like, man, I want to go to In-N-Out because in Colorado we didn't have In-N-Out. Yeah. And he was like, you, you can have In-N-Out, Phil, but like I'm telling you right now, you can't have like salt in your burger. You can't have fries. You can't have this shit, man. We got to compete in two weeks. And I was like, man, fuck you, man. I just – I went through all this shit. And Hani's like, dude, I'm – I get it, man, but like you got to just listen. Keep, and I, did, and I did not. I was like, fuck. I re- because it. When we talk about like suffering, in diet, like I did everything you asked. Yeah. We're talking about the double cardios. We're talking about the, yeah. the twice a week leg sessions. We're talking about living at altitude, like really training your ass off, yep. and pushing yourself beyond limit without you cracking a whip on me. I trained by myself and had to really produce mm-hmm. right, and then I had the pressure of. The sponsors, yes, you know the the public. the public. I mean, it was it was getting very very heavy. So you want to reward yourself. You have this in your you know in your brain where you're you're there's a piece of your brain that wants that reward. Yeah, and you feel like I won. I I can turn this up. And you're like, nah, dude. We have bigger fish to fry. Yeah. So we were. I was able to eat the burgers and, you know, like, whatever. We I did exactly what you said. Yeah, I, I don't think it was that crazy. I just said, hey, just you got to eat this, but you can't. I th- said, don't salt the fries because you already had a bunch of ketchup and you, you know, whatever. It was but, just but more psychological it, for exactly, me. It was that, more psychological and emotional right. because when you suffer, yes. not fake suffer, like people, you know, we'll, we've heard people say, oh, I suffer. I'm like, There's dude, a lot of fake suffering. I'm like, bro, there. like, yeah. you've had cheat meals every fucking week. Yeah, yeah. Okay, like. I had one cheat meal in an entire fucking prep, dude. Right. Like, there's there's differences with what we go through, and it was because I wasn't gonna beat guys being the biggest dude. Right. I was gonna beat guys based on the conditioning, right, and the roundness that I was kind of born with, the structure. Mm-hmm. But I had to earn that. So, well, also because you didn't rely on a lot of other pharmaceuticals, you didn't you know rely on thyroid, you didn't rely on you know insulin. Believe it or not, everyone thinks that. Your, missed, your stomach, and we'll talk again. There's so much stuff to talk about. But that'll be part two. That's part two. Yeah, but but the whole two. thing yeah. is the fact that everyone thinks that because of your bubbliness, it had to be that. It had to be that. It had to be insulin. That's why your stomach was the way. No, your stomach was the way it was because of the fact that you had the hernias that ended up getting really bad, right. and that's what ended up happening. But it was just not even worth arguing with everybody because everybody already had it in their head. Yeah, you can't change someone's no. like and that's truth why is, I, truth is based on perspective. If they if they really have this perspective based on what someone else wrote online yeah. and it came from like who they find is credible, right. you can't fight it. And I tried I tried to argue it doesn't work. No. You realize you're 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 arguing with, you know, a bunch of moronic individuals that essentially are developing propaganda and we dealt with that. So going into the Arnold Classic in 2008, I was able to get second with Dexter Jackson. Mm-hmm. And we put the we put his well, and he even said after he saw you, he dropped the hammer. Yeah, because he's like, "Holy shit, I'm going to have to go up against Phil." And I didn't think Phil was going to be anything. Like that jump was like quick. Yes, I and because from- of that, he stepped it up and actually started doing cardio or something. Yeah, it was no more it was, of those. Yeah. It was no more of that. I don't do cardio. I you know I yeah. eat burgers and I get striated glutes. Now all of a sudden, he had to really pull it together. And he did. It was a close show. Um, again, I think he could have went either way, but he came out ahead. He got first. I definitely didn't have the maturity in 2008, but I didn't. I wasn't missing anything either. No. I just didn't have the maturity yet. And that was a really good test because, I, I you know, standing up on stage, for me, especially being next to a legend, right, 
a person who's already at that time, he had already placed top three at the Olympia. Um, in 2008, when they called his name first and seeing him, you know, fall to his knees and all this other shit, right before that, I always try to take a glance at that person who I'm going against. And he was, he was a little worried because I think Branch or Kai got third that year mm-hmm. in 08. Mm-hmm. And I remember when it was just he and I, he went like this. And I was like, yeah, motherfucker. Like, I'm he, coming. Yeah, I'm, I'm coming. I may not win tonight, but like I'm here now, right, bro. Like, right. And he may or may not agree or whatever, but I remember what I saw. And I know that even though I lost that, I was like, at least I solidified myself as second at the Arnold. Mm-hmm. And then we were able to roll that. And that gave me a lot of fuel, man. Like, right. You know, we then rolled, we knew. We rolled that thing right into the 08 Olympia. Right. And um, yeah, dude, like that was freaking dope because, you know, I was able to get third at my very, very first Olympia. Right. So let's talk about that 08 Olympia because the 08 Olympia sets the tone for the next several years. Yep. So what happened was you took first at the Ironman. Two weeks later, you take second to Dexter in the Arnold. Then now it's we're ready to do the Olympia now because now you're messing with the big boys. You're taking a lot of them down from the Ironman. And now we're going to take momentum going into 2008, first Olympia. Right. You have Dexter Jackson, Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler had just won two Olympias. Yep. But he didn't have a great showing in 07. Right. Against Victor. Victor. Yep. A lot of people thought Victor could have won that show Mm -hmm. and should have won that show. Right. Now, in 2008, he came in better than he did 07, Jay, Mm -hmm. but not good enough to win. Right. So therefore... Dexter beats Jay yep. for the first and only time at the Olympia. Yes. And now you're in the hunt now because you are now, you have this roundness, you have this, this 3D look, and you have all the body parts. So now I'm watching and going, dude, you, you could be in the top two. And I'm looking at it. I'm watching it. I'm in the fifth row like I have been in for the last 20 years. Right. I, I, my, my seats are right in front of the judges. And I'm sitting here looking at the whole thing, and I'm looking. Uh, those, are, those are not it. Those are uh, from 2010 or 11. But the 2008. That's 2008 right that's there. That's 2008. And um, Yeah. And then. <laughs> I'm letting him have it right there. I'm like, you are not getting in here, man. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that look on your I, face. I was like, fuck. Good, old, good like, old muscle time. We're looking at good old muscle time. Yeah. F- photos um, from Ramon, uh, Raymond Caesar. Yeah. And so, or Caesar Raymond. Um, but yeah, so when you look at that, the top three, Jay takes second, Phil takes third in his first Mr. Olympia mm-hmm. in a very stacked lineup. Oh, yeah. Oh, get that picture right there. Lower, 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 lower right, lower right. The one where, like, right. Down, 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 left, right there. Dude, that picture. Yeah, that, that, one, that, that one right there. Wow. He's got the crazy eyes. And that's the one where I started looking and I go, man, you could make an argument that you could have possibly won that show. Yeah. And even Jim Mannion says to me, mm-hmm. Oof. he's like, your boy is dangerous. He's very, very dangerous because he could have won that show. Yeah. But they were looking at you because you had peaked on the second night. Yeah. And we did that on purpose. But- we also, the reason why everybody saw so much like excitement was because this 3D look started happening. Right. Right. It happened earlier in the year at the Ironman, mm-hmm. at the Arnold, but now you saw it at the peak at the Olympia yeah. for the first time at, on the Olympia stage. Right. 
And this is such a big stage. The lighting, everything makes such a big difference. And when you look at, again, pictures like that on your first Olympia, it, it was very, very exciting. But then also our friend and, and someone who's super close to you, and you mm -hmm. got to remember, like yeah. me and Jay didn't get really, really close until the following year. Right. But I've known Jay since 2000 when I met Jay in 99, 2000. Right. And it was one of those things where he had lost and we were all felt for him yeah, dude. because not only did he, you know, go up against Ronnie for all those years and taking those second places, yep. but he only was able to win two. Yeah. And then you're, and then he got off uh, and then he, the second year, he got a lot of flack because of the Victor Martinez situation. Yep. And so we were just like, kind of like, whoa. And Dexter looked great, you know, and, and he did deserve to win. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, I was thinking about this this the other day about how people are. Mm -hmm. um, maybe competitive bodybuilders at the highest level deal with this, especially open because they we've had a longer history. A lot of people turned their back on Jay after that show. Yeah. A lot of people did, man. And I give Jay Keller a lot of credit for how he handled himself for mm -hmm. that because to, to lose the show, I mean, in 08, it was not, obviously it wasn't fun. I mean, he's losing a show in this town of Las Vegas and, you know, being his friend, I'm like, all right, well, I'm happy that I'm third and I'm standing next to these guys. But at the same time, I'm still, I'm on stage watching history be made with a new Mr. Olympia and to watch like how everybody and, you know, I get it, man. Like people are happy for Dexter and I was happy for him too. It's, it sucks seeing someone lose that, you know, and to also see like who starts rallying toward the new champion. So there were some Jake Cutler fans that were competitors mm -hmm. that now became Uber Dexter fans. Right. And it was only because of the fact that they felt that, oh, the big guy fell. Now, if Dexter won, that means I could win too. That's right. That's why they became friends with Dexter. And I was like, and I was watching it in plain sight. I watched some, I watched some judges do this shit. I watched a lot of promoters. Um, not speak so highly of Jay. And I was like, this is the guy that like em embodied do you excellence. Think, do, you think, do you think that was a lot of it just because they would just find an opportunity when some kick somebody when they're down? I think so, dude. I think, I think this sport thrives on that. On negativity. On sometimes. negativity sometimes. So I was able to watch it. You know, you got to keep in mind, I was able to watch it with Ronnie. Right how people turn their back on him. And then I started seeing a little bit, not a lot, but with Jay, like, you know, mm -hmm. and to see Jay Cutler win his first Olympia, win the second one, we're partying, we're doing all this other shit, to now having this party still go on, but we're in the kitchen, dude, of this nightclub. Yeah, at, so. At Privé, right. inside a kitchen with me, him, Doreen Yates, Gunter Schlierkamp, you know, a bunch of other people. We're just all hanging out. And I was like, man, this is, it's really. I was there. Yeah, you were there. We're, it was all about like, so right after the Olympia, guys, we would always go to an after party, especially when it was in Vegas. Mm -hmm. And it was always, um, you know, at one of these clubs in, in Vegas. And so Jay had his own, and just like you ended up having your own. Yeah. But what happened was in 2008, we went to Jay's, and it was in this kitchen area. Yeah, the club, like, there's the a club. club was going on. It's called Prevay. It was inside right. the Planet Hollywood. Right. 
and we're all trying to find out where Jay is, and they're like, "No, nah, it's in the, He's in in the, the kitchen." We're like, "What?" Kitchen. And we're like, "In the kitchen? <laughs> what? What is he doing in the kitchen?" And they put a couple. They put couches and chairs in this area next to where they cook food. And everybody was sitting on the couches, and there was girls and guys and everybody else, and and Phil went and just kind of like sat down, and it was a big sigh. Yeah. I remember, and it was like you don't know what to say because you got like Jay just just lost, right, right. And so it was, um, what was that conversation like with him? It, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to just be present with them, right? And not talk about the show. You're also trying not to talk about like yourself, me, me, like placing third. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I'm so excited, man. Oh, shit, you just lost. You know, it's more like, I'm just happy we're here hanging out. And uh, luckily, mm -hmm. uh, he had one of his good old friends, uh, Flinny, mm -hmm. bring in a stripper pole <laughs> to... Trying yeah, to change that. the mood, yeah, and bring a bunch of girls in just because it was like if I could, if if Flinny could just be a jackass, you know, just be kind of like this guy that we can make fun of, just kind of try to get his mind off of it. He did that, and that conversation. I, I don't remember all the conversation. I just remember that, of course, he wasn't happy, but he was trying to be gracious for the opportunity, and and uh, I think it, it obviously sucked for him, um, but then weeks later. He and I were uh, seen together, like, you know, we were doing, I think, photo shoots in L.A., mm -hmm. and we hung out. We went to Katsuya's. We went to go eat, and he was dropping me off at my hotel, and uh, he was like, yeah, man, I had a great career. He was basically calling it quits. You know, he's like, yeah, I think I should be done. You know, I've made tons of money. Like, mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm good. You know, right. I mean, he'd always play around with that whole, like, when I turn 34 years old, I can retire. I'll be fine. You know, right. I'll do other things. And I just kind of was like, you're totally bullshitting me right now. Like, I, I know you have more in you. Like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, bro, it's your time. You should have won. You know, they would have never allowed a first time or winning. But like, you know, like. Yeah, you, you could have won. You, you could have won this, bro. Said, like, yeah. he was like, you could, really could have won this, bro. And I was like, man, it's supposed to be you, you and I one and two, bro. Like, let, he was like, nah, man. And I was like, I think you should just work with, with Hani, man. I was like, I. I I just think that you need to change shit up. You said you, you said that to him then. Pretty much, I was like, I think you should just consider it, like like changing things around or whatever. Man. I didn't like, know you guys spoke it then. I thought yeah. that, that came like after the I show. Think, I I know I said something about like how I've had success so fast and like changing things up in some way to figure out the answer because having 07 happen, mm -hmm. going from a one day to a two day show format, something's not working. Mm -hmm. And why not just try to look at another option? And I just want them to keep competing. I didn't want them to stop competing. And, I, and I'll be honest, man, like, you know, I won't name names because that's not right. But, like, there was people that, you know, they turned their back on them, man. Like, they would, and they saw my rise. Right. So they're like, I could see them trying to glom. Like competitors you're talking about? Competitors, some just, you know, officials, like certain people, not judges, but, like, promoters and mm -hmm. stuff. It's not that they were talking shit. They were just glomming on to me, leaving him. Right. And I saw that change, and I was like, I don't like this because this dude is still dangerous. What the hell are you guys talking about? Right. He's one of the greatest ambassador, ambassadors of our sport still today. Right. So then fast forward, obviously, you know, you guys work together. We, we connected. Well, okay. Yeah. So this is where the craziness starts. What happened was – Jay lost. I saw him devastated backstage, right? And that's when I decided that you were like, hey, let's go, let's go to Jay's after party. I'm like, okay, let's go. Again, Jay and I have known each other for friends, but I was always in the Ronnie camp. Right. Right. So it was always, I'm always going to pick Ronnie over Jay 
10 out of 10 times because of the fact that I was in Ronnie's camp. I, you know, acted as agent. I trained his girlfriend. Right, I right, stayed at right. his house here in Arlington. I mean, for years, for yep. years, you know, he's my, Ronnie's my boy. Yeah. Right. And so, and, and he would always tease me. Oh, that, I mean, oh, one, you'd send me some pictures and be like, look, this is when I beat your boy and da, 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 da. Right. And we would always kind of go back and forth. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, so never in a million years did I ever think I was going to coach Jay just because of there's, there's history about me being in the, in the other mag and yeah. on the other, um, you know, the other, the other aisle. So, that year also was the year that I started coming out to Denver. Yep. Okay. In 08. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and that's, I think what helped. And when everybody asks me about FST seven and they ask me about kind of how it started, it really started then. So to give you guys all this context, what I saw when I was coaching was that, especially with Phil, I'm like, dude, don't you want to get like train with somebody? And you're like, no. And I'm like, why? And you're like, because their schedules don't jive up. Once in a while, if I need a spot, I'll grab Dylan. Dylan owns the gym, owns Armbrust Gym. Super good dude, Dylan Armbrust. Shout out to him and, and the whole crew over there in Denver. And you're like, no, I'll just get him when I need him. I'll grab, I'll grab him or I'll grab a buddy and they'll spot me. But I just, I can't always jive because my schedule always changes. And I don't know when I'm going to train. I don't want to have to like marry up my schedule with somebody else's. And so when I went out there and I would stay with you, and I'd be there for four or five days. What would happen was I was always just kind of so pragmatic about like, what can we do to make things better, mm-hmm. right? One thing that I realized that I need to share is that you are no Ronnie Coleman no. as you were coming through, no, right? And that was the thing where everybody tried to be the next Ronnie Coleman. They wanted to lift Ronnie Coleman, yeah, buddy, weight. Yeah, man. And as we were trying to, and I was trying to explain to you, a bigger muscle is a stronger muscle. But I knew you had smaller joints. You come from a basketball background, not a football background. He was a linebacker. He's built different. He had natural strength. And so when we kind of got you stronger, then I knew that you were more apt to get hurt. You know, you'd have little muscle strains, nothing major, no tears, and knock on wood, none of that stuff. But I'm just like, wow. So... When everybody asks me where FSC7 came, it came because I needed to try to create a system that was going to help create more intensity without me being there. So it was high intensity for the first four or five exercises. And then the last exercise would be uh, almost, you know, like a German volume type exercise where you get volume in. And then so we're mixing the two. So I remember when I came into the, to that gym and one day you were wearing flip-flops to the gym. Yeah, and, and I just tore your ass off because we were going to train hamstrings, and I'm like, man, we need to work on those hamstrings and glutes. And you're like, yeah, okay. And I'm like, I'm like, why are you wearing those ha- those things? And then I gave you so much shit. I think we were getting ready for 08 Olympia, and I was like, you want to be Mr. Olympia? You cannot wear flip flops in the gym. I'm like, fucking Arnold did. What are you talking? About? <laughs> <laughs> and you fast forward now, see one more is nothing. But yeah. uh, but at the time, it was like, no, it was like, no, no, but no. but all that. So when I was sitting there doing all of those things. And I was just like trying to create different methodologies of just trying to come up with that 3D look right. and, and creating that. I was always about just what other things we can do. But I never for a million years thought you would want to share that with anybody. Right. Like, like, like meaning, meaning like, like Jake Cutler. Right. So that's why when he hit me up and we were talking and I was just like, hey, man, are you good? You know, because you just lost and everything else. And then I know that you ended up having a conversation with him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, f- 
Phil's okay with it? He's like, well, you know, me and Phil are friends. And I go, yeah, I know that, but, you know. Yeah, it's like fucking money and a title at the line on the line. And right. It's like, why would why would I be willing to do that? And that was huge, and that's very admirable of you that you had so much just like love for him. Right. You know, that you were like, Man, I don't want to see him go away. I don't want to see him stop. Where so many people in this industry would just literally just be like, Man, all right, well, fuck, dude, you're done. Yeah, they'd be like, uh, you know? Oh man, yeah, let me walk you out of here. Exactly. <laughs> right, walker, let, me, let me get you out of you here. Know? Man. I'll and it's a parting gift, you know. You, yeah, you're right, man. Like, you're not that good anymore. Yeah, you know? yeah, like, yeah. No, it's good. It's good. Yeah, you, you, you know, like, you should focus on your family. That's right. You know, buy a couple more dogs, you know, go out to pasture, man. Like, go ride a tractor for and the rest you of your life. And you legitimately were like, and I'm like, Wait a minute, let me call Phil and confirm this. It's not Jay you're like, just. You're like, Hey, man, like, is this a joke? No, no. I was being serious. I'm no. like, man, are you cool? And you're like, yeah, man, if you want, you know, if you're cool with it, I think it's a good idea. I think he could really use your help. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, so next year I'm going to work with you and then I'm going to work with him. And you're like, well, check it out. Try it out. See how it goes. And then I was like, all right, we'll check it out. And then I <laughs> started talking. Yeah. Yeah. And then it wasn't confirmed that we were going to do the prep together. Right. We were only going to do the off season in 09 right. and see how it goes to see if we would jive or not. Right. Right. Because Jay had only worked with Chris Aceto at that point. Correct. And so he flew out, and I remember it was my week of my birthday, and I had a sur- surgery scheduled for my torn ACL that I had torn many years prior that stopped me from competing. Mm-hmm. And he goes, what are you doing the week of you know, your birthday with that January 4th, that week? And I go, I'm getting surgery. And he's like, oh, because I was, I was playing on trying to come out and see you. I go, come to San Jose? He goes, yeah, man, just want to train. I want to try some of those workouts. And I was like, okay. So I'm like, all right. I ended up canceling my surgery. I ended up doing it three years later. <laughs> I canceled my surgery. He came out and he almost threw up doing arms. And I was trying to show him like, you know, the, the right. principles, FSC 7 stuff. But it, it was always, always one of those things that people would always ask me. They're like, Phil was cool with that? I said, not only was he cool with it, he's the one that recommended it. Yeah. Like he was the one that told Jay, like, hey, man, you should maybe talk to Hani. Well, yeah, because, you know, of course, when you're when you're friends with somebody, it wasn't more it wasn't about competition. It was about being there for an individual who you call your friend. And I thought also, hmm. Wouldn't it be cool to see just how good he could be? Which is only going to push me anyway, because I I didn't like how he was looking on stage in that moment, right? And, you know, those were the years that, you know, I would binge watch his DVDs. Right. That was a year, like, you know, he's pulling off the side of the road, throwing up, and, you know, like, he's going through all kind of hell just trying to retain this title. And I was like, nah, man, like, I don't think, there's got to be a better way. And, um, yeah, I guess something, I, I, you know, I can't put my finger on it other than just, like, if you got love for somebody, you want to see them succeed. And at the same time, I believe that I couldn't foresee, like, us being one and two, the way we did, but I'm glad that it worked out that way. But the funny part is, is that 2009, he fucking looked incredible and I happened to get sick. So it was great timing because Jay was in the position to reclaim his title in a dominant fashion. I mean, it was one of the greatest, it resurrected, you helped resurrect his career. I remember seeing him like right before, you know, cause I was sick, I got sick Friday. I mean, uh, Thursday night after the meet and greet, and I remember seeing it, and I was like, it looked like his head shrunk. <laughs> he was just so wide and just dialed. And I was like, holy shit, you're going to fucking win. 
And that whole time I just kept thinking, I just want to be top three again. You know what I'm saying? I just want to be top three. Like I was sick. It's, you know, but I'm, and I remember telling you, I was like, because you were concerned. I was like, go be with Jay, get him his freaking title back. Because now it's like a team effort, I felt. And to be on that stage and to watch him reclaim, but for me to get fifth, I was pretty pissed, obviously. I was not happy about my placing. But, you know, with all things going on, you know, I wasn't at my best. I mean, it is what it is, but I was ex- so extremely excited for Jay. And then that following day, we were able to do that photo shoot with Joe Weider, the last photo shoot where all of the champions, regardless of affiliation with exclusivity, whether you're a Weider athlete, muscular development, Ironman, muscle man, whatever it is, mm-hmm. he, Joe had the best of the best at Gold's Flamingo training all day and that's when Jay took that iconic picture of him tearing the magazine cover of the year prior of Dexter and I. Yeah. Because Dexter and I had a cover. Right. It was half Dexter. It was half, half Dexter, half myself. Talking right. about who. And then they put Jay at the bottom. And you know what's funny? I remember being asked uh, by. It's the top right one over there. Top right. The one right next to it. Yeah. Right next to it. Next to it. Yeah. On the left. Right there. Yeah. Right there. That's the one. So he's that was. Back. It. So that cover. All right. You see where he's tearing. Uh, I remember. Look at that. Look at it, that, man. It was just incredible, dude. But you know what's funny? The year prior, if you go up to the top left uh-huh. next to Ronnie, or yeah, one over to the right, that one. That one right there. Yeah. I was pissed because they put Jay at the bottom of that cover and they showed it to me. And I was like, man, y'all about to really piss this man off. And they're like, yeah, but like, it should just be you and Dexter. And I said, why can't it just be like a three-headed monster type of thing? You know, I'm like all three of us on the cover, like all of us share it. Right. It was that's what I'm talking about, like how people kind of slowly forgot about him. No, they told me. Uh, actually, it wasn't me. It wasn't. They didn't tell me. I remember reading it. It was all over Muscle Time and everything else that he won't be in the top five. Yeah. In 09. Yeah. Because they said that he dropped this. off so much in 08 that he was, you know, he, you know, he's going to get beat by this guy, this guy, you, Dexter, everybody. I mean, they're like all of that. And so it was very difficult for me to hear that too. But yeah. then on top of that, now I have a horse in the race with me now helping him, trying to get him ready. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, as we get closer and then we finally, like I remember it was at the USA. I was there for the USA in 2009 and I was in Vegas. And then he comes over to visit me at the at the event hotel, right? Yep. At the embassy suites. And he goes, man, I've been thinking about it. I really want you to get me ready. I just, I, I, you know, because at first I was like, okay, you, you can do yourself, you know, do, yeah, do yeah. your own prep now. I got you to this point. We had a really good off season. Right. And, you know, went over a lot of training stuff and nutrition, tons of different things. But it was one of those things at that point, I was like, okay, great. You know, you're going to do your own prep. I can focus on Phil and we'll go. But he then just said, no, I'm going to come see you. So he comes to the hotel and we talk and he's like, look, man, I've been thinking about it. It's just. I, I, there's no reason for me to switch now. Um, you know, I have faith in you and your ability. So let's do this. And I was like, you sure? And he's like, hundred percent. And I was like, okay, all right. And then I told you, I said, look, I'm going to work with, with J2. Is that cool? And you were like, absolutely. It's just like, it was cool the whole rest of the year. Let's just keep going. You bring me in my best. You bring him at his best. And then we let yeah, the we figure ju- it out. We let the judges sort out the rest. Well, he came in much better. And he, well, and he you looked- got sick the night before and your food wasn't digesting. And there was a bunch of different things going on with that, that whole weekend, even the build up for that week in, in 
it was very, very, it was almost like you had either a stomach bug or you I had, had something. I definitely probably caught something in Denver because getting ready for the peak week. Yeah. Although you're depleting water, you're eating a lot. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't be losing weight like five pounds at a time, like yeah. each day. And that's when I realized like something's not right. And like you said, the food wasn't sticking as the term that we call it. Yeah. Where the body is just not volumizing as you're increasing carbohydrates. Yeah. And we already have proof of concept with how my body would look anyway with the food and stuff. And yeah. it just got progressively worse. And, and, you know, before you know it, I'm like projectile vomiting. I'm right. just like, it's really bad. Yeah. And then when you cleared your system, then it was like, okay, let's give you just because I, I, the clean food wasn't going to work. It was literally. I just like, took you to McDonald's. Yeah, it was literally. I just took you to McDonald's. McDonald's. I'm like, McDonald's, just do it. And then you're backstage, and then. I'm trying to are. fuck with everybody, bro. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do the old school Kevin LeBroni trick. And that is just act like you're the champion. Yeah. I come in there, got to think, guys. Top three last year. Y'all yeah. don't know what's going on. I'm wearing a weeder tracksuit. Yeah. And I'm like, man, this is great. And yeah. they're like, they're all dying. Like, how is he fucking eating? Yeah. And you're fucking eating bird. French fries. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm grubbing, bro. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, just nuggets. Trying to, I'm just trying to, I'm, I didn't have no damn nuggets, bro. Like, on, I didn't go man. there, man. I wish I did. I, I wish I'd had a McFlurry oh, or some oh. shit. You know what I <laughs> mean? Like, I would have had all that. But uh, Jay's sitting there like, he already knows what's going on because you had told him, you know, yeah. like, Phil's sick. He's not well, you know. Yeah, I told you him. You do your thing. And I had already told him, too. But uh, I was like, yeah, man, I'm just cave this shit, man. I'm just, and it, you know what's funny? It worked. Yeah. Because I came out there, and of course, people didn't know that the judges didn't know the no. writers that they just no. like, oh well, you know, like he's slightly off, yeah. you know, a little, a little bit. Off. Yep. He'll That's figure what I it out. Like yeah. slightly off, and I'm just like, you guys have no fucking clue, dude. dude like, yeah, and it was all about night. every pose I did during that time was like, you know, they're thinking I'm like posing for the camera. Like, I'm like, man, I don't know if I'm about to throw up again or not. Like, I'm just dying, man. Yeah. So, you know, that Friday came around, and then Saturday it was more like, hey. Just work on Jay. Make sure he's good. I'll be fine. Yeah. I'll I'll have some. You lost to Kai that night. You lost by, to Kai one, by point, one point. One point. One point. Bro, I could have had fourth. I know. I know. And, by one point. You know. But by that one was point. that was a great moment though because I learned something great, which was a champion can rise again. Yeah. And you can always try something different to get it done. And you know, being able to see him win after. People, I mean, they trashed his ass. Like, you know, totally disrespected him. Tr straight up Rodney Dangerfield. Like, they, I get no respect, right? Like, and right. it was just effed up. And now, and you know what's funny? They all came back kissing his ass, blowing his well, balls. Like, there, a few of them did, bro. And I, lot and, of them and did. I watched it, and I'm just like, and you know what's funny? Yeah. Jay is so smart. He knew that shit, too. He's not stupid. Yeah. And, you know, you can only ask him how he really felt about it, and he probably won't tell you. But, you know, deep down, he was like, I'm never going to trust you assholes again. Yeah. Like, like, I can't. I can't even let you in my circle. Right. And it only made a circle tighter at that point. And it made us as a team stronger. Yeah. And going into that next year, I had done, we decided to say, okay, let's ride this in to the uh, Arnold, Arnold Classic 2010. And what's wild about that shit is that I was already up for renegotiation with Metrics at the time. So imagine getting top three, your first Olympia, mm -hmm. now drop down to fifth. And I was like, mm, let's see how this works. <sighs> you know, at that time, you know, I was up for my second renegotiation because I mm -hmm. went from 06 to 08 and then 08 to 10. Mm -hmm. And remember in 08, I got offered a deal at BSN. Yeah, yeah. 
and it was real money. Yeah. Like it was <laughs> strong, <laughs> strong. But is it in 2010 is when you signed with Muscle Tech? Yeah, because I didn't re- right. I didn't resign with Metrics. Right. So I did a two year from 2006 That's to right. 2008. And the difference between myself and every other competitor is that they always signed contracts after the Olympia. I signed contracts before the Olympia prep started. Right. Because then you have to put your chips in. Mm-hmm. You know, we, and we both knew that. Yeah. So we always had leverage. Right. And um, that was part of our game plan. Like, hey, you got leverage, bro. Like, if they want to invest in you, like, sure. yeah, because now they can do the real campaign. If they don't want to invest in you, you know, because it's easier. You give the ball in Especially their Especially back then, you had to because it was, a, it was a whole different mentality because you had to sit down and say, okay, look, I've worked this last year. Now I'm getting ready to do it. Are you willing to be a part of my success? Or do you want to wait till, you know? And they always were just waiting for someone to rise or fall and cut them after the Olympia. Yeah. You saw it every fucking year. Yeah. So, you know, when metrics, uh, you know, I kind of pressed them early because I was like, listen, like my contracts, my contracts uh, coming up, um, I want to go into the Arnold Classic with a for sure n- number in mind mm-hmm. and we can already, yeah. let's, let's just get the, get it done early. Yeah, yeah. Let's not screw around. And they gave me like a 5% increase. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, yeah. it was like less than 30 grand increase. I was like, you guys are crazy. It was something small. It was something small. So then I remember having that piss me off even more yeah. and realizing that this is how the industry in itself um, works. It's all about performance. Yep. So we went into that Arnold Classic, came in, and uh, placed second. And... What's wild about that is it is still, in my opinion, ah, one of the hardest shows I think you and I both had to deal with. Yes. Um, yes. That wasn't, I'd probably say, obviously, you know, 2018 Olympia was very hard to digest. But this one, I think, hurt maybe even more because I had an opportunity to win the Arnold Classic. Right. Like a real shot. Like I was up by three after prejudging in a one-day show and lost by seven at night. Six-hour difference. Right. Which... Technically makes no effing sense, dude. Right. It was a tough one. But look. But it taught us. But it taught us. It, it, it taught us a lot of things. But the thing that it did, it was made you hungry. Oh, right? my God. It was your version of the cost of redemption. Yeah. Right? So what, um, and I'm referring to Ronnie when he came back in 2003 with Vengeance. And so I think that what you had to go through was that so that it would set you up for the next seven Olympias. Yeah. And so when you went in to the Olympia of 2010, then it was you and Jay yeah. in the top two. And when you guys were in the top two, it was funny. It was that they had called whoever was third place and then you guys were up there and I started walking and everyone's like, where are you going? I was like, I don't, I'm done. These guys, I don't, I don't need you. Like it's it. That's all I wanted. That was my goal is to get my guys in the top two, let the judges sort out the rest. Right. And that was it. And you know, and then obviously Jay won his fourth. And um, you hugged him and you congratulated him and then went backstage with you guys. And I was like, wow, this is this is an exciting moment for me to be able to have the number one and number two bodybuilders in the world up there. And not only you guys were, you know, it's it's not just winning or placing second at that point. It was also all the people you beat. Yeah, because that's what also kind of solidifies who you are and oh, yeah. you know, what you've done. And I think that when you look at that and you go, okay, great, this is amazing. So now Jason, you know, his fourth, 
he just came from the 09 Olympia to the 2010, and he got to ride that wave that he never got to feel. Yeah, dude. Really, that was that was also a great feeling too, mm-hmm. because what happened was, like you said. At the time when there, it was like you were Ronnie or Jay, and then now all of a sudden, after 09, even if you didn't like Jay, you respected the shit out of him. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know? And now that's what it was really, really cool because I got to be a part of that. And to this point, even, you know, after 59 years, no one besides him has ever won after losing the Open Olympia. Yeah. And I, don't, I don't think it's really. And not to say it can't happen because look, it's you know, especially now in this scope, it's very difficult. Yeah. You've got to be a different dude because the work ethic, I mean, we already talked about this, but the emotional intelligence and the ability to be coachable and stay coachable and to be obsessed and to have the timing. You know, the the thing that people don't realize is that the timing is everything in bodybuilding. We, you, know, you were talking about earlier, you know, Jay Cutler was wanting to go back to a one day show format because of the timing of the yeah, I just saw, I like saw that. it was a, and, a post and I, and I get it, but at the same time, it's still the timing. We know the timing. You could decrease it. You could start to prejudging whenever, but like, there's always someone that figures it out right. and some people that don't, that's fucking bodybuilding, man. Right. I really don't care if, if someone told me, Hey, Phil, like you got to go on stage at 1am. If I'm a re- if I'm really about that shit, I'm about that shit. You're telling me that you can only get ready for a presentation at 10 a.m. Let me tell you, being away from the stage and I go, you know, do public speaking and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I'll give you a quick one. I fl- I do an appearance over in Montreal. Um, I'm supposed to I'm supposed to fly in, hang out, go to a dinner, not speak, do a meet and greet. That next morning, talk, get on the plane, go home. I land to uh, an hour and a half late just because, you know, flights out of Miami suck and, you know, it just gets delayed. I land, right? I get to the hotel, see the suite, beautiful. They're like, you ready to go speak? I said, yep. I didn't bitch. I didn't moan. I was just like, yep. Because if you're ready, you're ready. Right. And your job is to always be ready. Right. Because... Why wouldn't you be ready? You're a professional. You're telling me that you're a surgeon? You're a surgeon. Let's be real about this. You're a surgeon. You're supposed to do surgery. Right. And you get the call that, let's say, LeBron James tears an ACL. You got to be there. You're telling me you can't do it? Professionals fucking figure it out. So I don't, I kindly disagree. I respectfully disagree. I think that it should stay the same. I just say, we need to do a better job at sticking to a time mm-hmm. instead of fluctuating. instead of fluctuating. Mm-hmm. You you need better expediters, I guess, and stick to a freaking time. That's what you do. But it as an athlete, should, could I have done? I mean, we talked about this many times. If there was a one day show format, dude, like I would have probably looked ten times better in some shows. Maybe I don't know. But the joy of knowing that I'm the first Mr. Olympia to ever win seven in a two day show format. Yeah, that, that's, you learn you learn so much, and and as a coach, you learn. Yeah, you know, being able to work with different athletes and stuff. So, and that's what makes the Olympia very exciting. Um, it makes it a big challenge. So to see Jay um, do what he did in both '09 and '10, it was a remarkable achievement. No one talks about the first two; they talk about the last two. Right. Yeah, they talk about actually what you and you guys did. It was it was 
to be up on that stage and be able to witness that carried me, you know, to the next level of, of not only just talking about me and being Mr. Olympia, but like being Mr. Olympia. Like you can talk about it all you want. And we see these guys online. They always say like, yeah, I'm going to be champion. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And it's like, you're saying this shit because millions of people are watching your fucking channel. You're saying this shit because it sounds really cool and yeah. someone's going to repost it and someone's going to do the Machiavelli motivational shit. Right. It's not coming from the soul. You're yeah, saying you're very big on that. That's one thing that, that you are. You, you call a lot of people out and not in public, but in general, like when people are trying to pretend to have an assassin mentality. But my, my quote question for you would be, how do you feel about the C-bums of the world who are not that, I'm, you know, the assassin mentality, but they still get their shit done. Because doesn't that mean that there's more than one way to be able to win? A hundred percent. Okay. I'm not going to look. Um, there's multiple champions in our various divisions. Um, I remember last year, not this year that just passed, you know, mm -hmm. this Olympia, but last year when Seabone won and we were all backstage and it was the first time me doing a live commentary mm -hmm. and you wanted to go out and you wanted to do fun stuff that we, you and I used to do. Right. And you're like, come on, man, let's, let's paint the town red. You know, it's Vegas, baby. And this and that. And I was like, bro, that's what he, he don't do that shit. You and I do that shit. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. You know, <laughs> and, 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 and we, yeah, yeah. Ronnie, yeah. like yeah. myself, yeah. Like, yeah. that's something yeah. that we share. Yeah. Yeah. He ain't like that. He's not that dude. He's the dude that wants to go back. Spend chill. time with Courtney, and his hang family. out and family, yeah. have some ice cream, whatever, and chill the fuck, <laughs> chill the fuck out, hang out. Hey, have his little ice cream. Hey, have, like his, have his little dog Poppy and just chilling, <laughs> man. Like you know, just be chilling. And and look, like and you have some I, tacos. And look, man, I respect it. Right. I just go by. Look, I had to be that dude. Yeah, I think it's different, man. Like, you know, would Chris maybe be different if he had someone? you know, nipping at his heels like like I did. Dude, like I had to go against different types of people that yeah. brought a different type of energy. Like this is not discrediting what he's done. Like it's just different. I think when you have someone like, look, Kai Green, you can't yeah. be nice. Yeah. This dude is the predator <sighs> yeah. for a reason, bro. Yeah. Like, well, like, that's, like, let's keep it real, man. This is a dude that like. Well, let me I'm, ask you this. I'm, let yeah. me ask you this because I got to cut you off because you talked about Kai. Was the beef real? Oh, 100%, bro. If that motherfucker walked through these doors right now, everybody get quiet because they were wonder, wondering if... You guys are going to go at it. People still feel that. When that you guys were on stage, a lot of people at the time thought that you guys were playing it up for the cameras and because no. there were Generation no. Iron was shooting and all that other bullshit. No. Did they tell you to do any of that shit? That when he slapped, no. when he threw the hair no. at you and no. all that shit? No, absolutely not. And... You know this. You know the real shit. And I'm telling everybody here, Truth Podcast. I mean, we're here, right? You got to imagine a person like Kai, and you respect him for his work ethic and his sacrifices, right? Right. Imagine him going against me, a person who came from a different industry, such as basketball. Mm -hmm. His nickname, the Gift, and he's won everything. Yeah. The sponsors, the, this, the, that. Like he's not walking around with this, that, and the other. He's seeing success being rewarded, hard work being rewarded, but. He's like, I'm from Brooklyn. I'm this. This is who I exemplify. He's, are you saying because he had animosity towards you? Because 100%. Of, of why wouldn't you? Okay. Because I'm standing in his fucking way of being champion. Right. He's given up everything to be in this position. He's living with his trainer. He's, do, oh man, we, 
Bro. Yep. The the fight was real, bro. And I'm looking at him right there. We both had some yeah, words, you man. You guys got to make sure to put that piece on because a lot of people who haven't seen that, where they went on stage and they had bro, to turn around and get Rope Man had to come so in there and get break this. it up. So I think we, if you were to look at the analytics on that video alone, yeah. that video of he and I getting after it has had more views than any. How many like, views does that one got, guys? Just one in particular has like over 60 million. 60 million one, views. Just one of, one of these accounts that has that video. And I confirmed that with uh, Patrick Bit David from Valuetainment. Like one time we were just looking at shit and it, and it said 58 million at the time. This is like two years ago. Right. So people love this conflict. Right. And it was authentic because Kai Green, look, you're taking a deep breath right now, honey, because you knew that it was real. Oh, of course I knew, but I'm, I'm basically trying to get you to be able to go over things with the audience because sometimes these internet keyboard warriors will throw out conspiracy theories about, hey, this is bullshit, or what's going on with this guy. And, so what you and have they to were do, doing so what, is they're trying yeah. to sell so tickets what we have to, to the yeah. movie. So what we have to realize, Iron. One, one major thing, it was our fans that started this whole beef. No question about it, because you got everybody saying to him, like, you're the champ, right. you're badass, fuck this dude. Right. Then I got my own people saying, nah, man, you the give, like, fuck this dude. Right. So when we finally meet, it's almost like when you're in a, like middle school, high school, someone's talking shit during lunch. Yeah. And then after school, you don't even know why you're beefing with this dude. <laughs> yeah, like, by Everybody's then. like, fight, fight, <laughs> fight, fight. fight. <laughs> right. And you're like, I don't want to go and fight, man. Like, we're supposed to be friends. Right. And it just got to that point, bro. But I'll be honest, man. Like, I've said it many, many times. The Olympia is everything. It's everything. You do not sign up to be a bodybuilder in this open category and not want to be Mr. Olympia. You're kidding yourself. So we pushed each other, man, and literally pushed each other. On stage. You know, and uh, we gave each other a lot of uh, fuel. And it was because of the work, though. It wasn't like a king. Uh, when you guys talk to each other now, how, how is it when you guys run into each other? Fuck you, Kai. Fuck you, Phil. Really? We'll say it like smiling. Okay. Now, but is there still, have been a time since then that you guys were like cool, like you guys were hanging out? Was well, there ever a time hanging out? That ain't that shit ain't gonna happen. Okay. Okay. I'm in South Florida. He spends time in Boca. We have yet to hook up. Right. He has my number. I have his number. We have never said, "Hey, let's have lunch." I did mention to him. I was like, "It's possible we could do lunch," but. Do, and then we're like, nah. It just let's just let it be. Okay. Like you know what I mean. Yeah. Like we don't. There is nothing to really beef about. But you know what's funny? And I've said this before. I'll say it again. Like when I lost in 2018, he he was the only pro that called me. Really? What did yeah. he say? He said, um, "You're he." Pre and I'm summarizing. He was just like, he said, first of all, I want to make sure this shit ain't recorded. So fuck you, Phil Heath. That's what he said. I said okay. He was like. He's like, but not seriousness. He was like, you're a champion. Regardless of what happened, you're a champion. And what they're not realizing is that isn't the Phil Heath I went against. Yeah. Don't let anyone ever. Yeah. You were injured. Yeah. And you were still good enough to win. He's like, can't really go online and say this. And I'm kind of putting them out there like that. But yeah, I mean, he was giving me my respect. And he was like, you're a champion, bro. As much as it kind of pains me. But you are that dude. And you're probably the last to do this 
that way. And I win against. What do you mean by that? Meaning like it's going to be a very long t- Theoretically, I mean, who's going to be another seven times? Oh, me meant by the run. Yeah. The run. It's, like, it's yeah. very difficult. The he run. Was, so he was talking about that and he was just, he was like, whatever you choose to do, mm-hmm. it should be more about your next chapter in life rather than just focusing on competing again. So he was the one that kind of told me I should indirectly kind of like walk away um, or at least explore what that looks like because he was on the other side already. Right. And he experienced really cool stuff and he was just trying to, you know, broaden my perception of this thing. And, and at the same time, I'm like, oh, fuck it. Like, you probably just saying that shit. So if I decide to walk away, you're going to step in because you're still looking big. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> right. that's where in my mind. But you at the same think time, I was, you know, very gracious that, he, you know, he had hit me up and right. I appreciated it because I probably would have done the same for him mm-hmm. because a warrior is a warrior and we respect those people who we battled with like right. real like really went oh, to he, war he was with. a very admirable uh, so opponent it man. was it was I mean, it was it made actually it made very, me feel very um i i felt i felt appreciated mm-hmm. you know and for him to say those things you know i still carry it you know because i'm like yeah, man, that's that's really what it comes down to, whether you like me or not. I mean, like we were able to acknowledge right. each other's greatness. And, um, you know, yeah, you pushed each other. We pushed each other. But yeah. And yeah, you know, I mean, there was a so lot. Yeah, of that. it was a lot of that shit, bro. But like today, like he and I will one day, I don't know when he and I probably will have a sit down somehow, some way. Mm-hmm. I think we are obviously on different paths, but they kind of intertwine here and there. But when it happens, I want to make sure that it's such an event that obviously we're both thriving in our lives in a much bigger scale outside Mm -hmm. of the sport, but then be able to, you know, I've pitched the idea that we should probably do lecture series together, like on the road, like internationally to let people see where we're at in life and and be able to do Q and A's and stuff like that. Because, um, you know, who isn't going to sign up for that? Because someone's going to come up with a really good question. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of good questions. You know, but, and I don't want to deprive our fans of that, but it, but it is, again, the timing of it, you know, like mm-hmm. my schedule and his schedule, we're, we're in different, you know, we're, we're like, it, it's just, it's complex. Well, let me ask you this. I've many times talked about Generation Iron on the movie, the first one that you and, I were in that was not a documentary it was a docudrama and how I went with you to Westfield Shopping Center Valley Fair and right hold, after hold, that movie came do out. me a favor hold that thought I gotta take a break I gotta go run the restroom okay can we do this go. okay all right. All, right, all, right, all right hey guys just a reminder my custom kebabs with Megafit are now available at megafitmeals.com we have steak We have chicken and we have a ground beef kebab, all served with delicious basmati rice. So if you want to check out some of my custom meals, go to megafitmeals.com, use code HANI, and enjoy the amazing kebabs that we were able to co-create. So again, guys, megafitmeals.com, code HANI, check them out, available now.